and we are live what's up guys welcome to the Incrolex fingers Q&A um, I'm sure a lot of questions are going to come up about the Incrolex so quick update I gained four kilos over the last well five days I've worked my way up from 50 micrograms bilaterally to 100 micrograms to 200 micrograms to 250 micrograms bilaterally so now I'm on a total of 500 micrograms per day I've experimented with localized administrations and subcutaneous administrations and it seems that 500 micrograms is the sweet spot for me because now I'm 101 kilos at the end of the week before my refeed and normally I'm that after the refeed so I haven't lost any weight this week even though I got leaner and fuller and harder and a lot stronger today I had a phenomenal hamstring and glutes and a little bit of quads workouts uh, first phenomenal workout I've had since well basically the start of this year so uh, so far so good Aaron is enjoying it uh, I'm probably gonna do a uh, consultation with Dr. Scott Stevenson next week just to run some ideas past him and make sure that I'm up to date with all of the recent literature about uh, growth hormone and IGF-1 because he just wrote a very lengthy article for the John Meadows website who I've I don't have a membership there anymore he said just get a membership so you can read it but I'd rather do a consultation with him to uh, bounce some ideas off of him because of course he's a very um, you know in tune with the recent medical literature so I'll uh, give him a call next week um, uh, but yeah basically so far so good I'll do blood work at the end of the month we'll get Aaron involved he'll do blood work and then I'll uh, update you guys on how everything is going but uh, so far everything is starting to make sense again and I'm finally starting to feel like a bodybuilder so let's get started with the questions let's see first question is from Jacob Winder asks hey Steve when carving up for the stage and water is cut should we expect to see higher blood sugar levels readings due to dehydration yeah that's very common it could also be uh, simply that you're losing insulin sensitivity because you've been carving up quite a bit and if you did a fat load you know with peanut butter or, or some other fat source peanut butter is horrible for your insulin sensitivity but it's very good for restoring intramuscular triglycerides uh, of course when your intramuscular triglycerides go up substantially insulin sensitivity is lost so depending on the protocol that you've been doing it's very normal for blood glucose levels to go up if you're still drinking water so before water is cut and you see your blood glucose levels go up and you know that you're sufficiently hydrated that's usually your cue to stop loading so much and switch to a fat load and of course if you just did a one-day fat load potentially with growth hormone and you are uh, restoring a little bit of fullness that way through the intramuscular triglycerides and the fullness that growth hormone potentiates but you start carting water over that day then due to the dehydration your uh, blood glucose levels might go up and it's very common for um, your blood glucose levels to be up on the day of the competition because now you're reintroducing carbohydrates again and, and maybe a little bit of insulin but usually it's easy to digest uh, carbohydrate sources rice honey uh, you know rice cakes that kind of stuff or maybe some uh, protein bars here and there if you can digest those properly and you don't get flatulence and gas and bloating and all that shit that uh, you know go makes you go from first place to fifth place um you know if you got everything in tune then it's actually quite normal you know partially it's dehydration but if it happens earlier and you're not cutting your water yet then it's probably mean that you either lose insulin sensitivity or you're starting to spill over so that's why I always told my clients to keep tracking uh, keep track of their blood glucose levels throughout the entire carb load and then once um you know blood glucose levels start to go up you kind of pull back on the carbohydrates start reintroducing the fats potentially a little bit of growth hormone 
um, for uh, fullness on the day of the competition. And then on the day of the competition, of course, after the water is cut, uh, it's very rare to check your blood glucose levels because people are busy. Um, but if you do check it, it's probably going to be elevated because you're so dehydrated, unless you're really, really in good shape and you don't need to dehydrate so bad. But let's be honest, how many people are really in good shape when they step on stage? Not many, or at least not on the amateur ranks <laughs> where I was helping people. Uh, another from Filippo's Gym. Ask, hey Steve, what is your opinion on high doses of alpha lipoic acid during a cycle to maintain fertility latex cell functionality? Um, I don't think that's going to work when you're using anabolic androgenic steroids. You would need HCG, FSH, enclomiphene, clomid, um, maybe some testosterone boosters with uh, Tonkar Ali or a, a Fedosia Agrestis potentially. Um, but I, I would say that alpha lipoic acid might work if you're drug-free or if you have something like HCG, FSH, or ideally in combination, uh, or enclomiphene or clomid in the picture, right? You still need some latex cell uh, stimulation through activation of the receptors. That's the uh, LHCG receptor, the FSH receptor, and of course a minimal negative effect through the progesterone receptor and the estrogen receptors and the testosterone receptors. This is why it came off cycle, guys. All right, Filippo's Jim asks, Hey Steve, is it possible to regrow testicles during a cycle with HCG? Yes, but not to the full extent. What would be the dosage here and would it be possible, uh, possibly endanger fertility in the future? So no, I don't think if you have long-term HCG use on cycle, depending on the dose and the compounds that you're using, that it's actually endangering, endangering your fertility in the long term. Um, it seems that the effective dose or, or you know, the replacement dose is anywhere between 125 to up to 300 IOs HCG. And it seems that 250 to 300 IOs HCG every other day um, is the dose where uh, spermatogenesis and uh, testosterone production in the testicles is the most optimal. And then anything over that, uh, you see that testosterone levels might go up slightly. And again, if you're an exogenous testosterone, it's really a non-issue because you can always uh, modify your exogenous testosterone intake. And uh, But estrogen seems to be going up disproportionately and the amount of spermatogenesis that you potentiate um, doesn't really improve. So... Again, 250 IOs, 300 IOs, HCG three times a week. And that way is how you sustain fertility. Unless you have a boatload of nandrolone, tristolone, or trimbolone in the picture. Again, going through the progesterone receptor, this is how uh, anticontraceptives actually work, right? By going through the progesterone receptor and thus inhibiting a spermatogenesis or, uh, you know, uh, everything that's associated with it, with testicular function. So if you're on testosterone and DHT derivatives, I think you're fine. But if you're on testosterone and a little bit of nandrolone, you're probably also still fine. But if you're on testosterone, trimbolone, ment, and nandrolone altogether, or one of the other in higher dosages, I don't, I don't think the HCG is going to do anything. Right? You're basically taking an anti-contraceptive in the form of an anabolic androgenic steroid. I mean, that's what trestolone was ultimately designed for, right? And if you're not convinced yet, watch the sterility or the steroids versus fertility video. There's a ton of scientific literature where you see that nandrolone, trestolone, and trimbolone um, not good for your fertility parameters. All right, Jacob asks, how much does increasing diet of testosterone derivatives like Prima or Mastron affect prostate size and PSA? Um, I would say in, in the most of the cases, it doesn't change it at all. But if you take Primo and Mastrone and you're highly inflamed using uh, synthetic carrier oils, right? Uh, underground lab Primo, underground lab Mastrone. 
and your estrogen is also high, which uh, besides DHT, the estrogen can also proliferate the tissue of the prostate. Um, and if you're in a high inflammatory state, which is ultimately a marker or PSA is a marker of inflammation. So if you're in a high inflammatory state due to the synthetic carrier orals, you have high DHT levels, whether that's actual DHT or primobolin or masterone, and also high estrogen levels, which some guys are now uh, saying just, just let it run wild. You know, use a boatload of Primo and it will, you know, not uh, the estrogen won't do anything negative. Uh, but when you look at the scientific literature, um, DHT and estradiol have a directly negative effect on prostate growth because they're both highly prolific. All right. So, um, again, if the inflama inflammation is high from smoking, uh, synthetic carrier oils, recreational drugs, uh, frequent masturbation, frequent sex or, um, you know, cunt punts. Yeah, and PSA might be elevated. Do a testicular or a, a prosthetic ultrasound if you see your PSA or free PSA or your high sensitivity C-reactive protein or homocysteine levels elevated if you're worried. But from all the bodybuilders that have coached, have checked their PSA and done uh, prosthetic ultrasounds, I can't remember an instance where they had developed prostate cancer, really. The guys that I talk to with prostate issues are the guys that are overworked, you know, smoking, drinking, uh, overcompensating for their stressful lifestyle um, that, you know, the, the job and the being CEO or, you know, high leader in a company uh, causes them to do. Um, is that the correct sentence? Um, you know, resulting them to result to drinking and smoking. The guys that are chronically stressed and not eating well. And, and drinking and smoking and whatever else, right? Cocaine uh, over the weekend in the strip club. I mean, they make a lot of money, so they got to spend it somewhere. Uh, those are guys <laughs> with elevated PSA levels and prostate issues downstream. Actually, there's a, a lack of a downstream because the prostate is now so big that, uh, you know, you sit there in the toilet waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And until, uh, you know, your home doctor delivers you some Flomax, uh, nothing is going to happen. Yeah. All right, where are we? Marcus asks hey steve i recently had blood work done regarding pregnenolone and dhea on hrt so many abbreviations that's dehydro dehydro on hormone replacement therapy 300 milligrams testosterone anthate per week subcutaneous administrations daily pregnenolone sulfate was 19.5 range 60 to 100 and dha sulfate was oh, this is like a four-part question Marcus, I, I thought we made a deal about, you know, limiting it to 200 characters, but here we go. It's already in the chat, so now I have to answer it. Okay, so DHA sulfate was uh, 800, uh, so that's pretty high. Good job. 90 to 450. Progesterone was 0 0.2. Um, let's see, 0 0.13 to 97. So that's that's for a, that's a female range. The progesterone is a female range up to 97. For men, it's usually 0 0.1 to 0 0.2. SHBG was 17, so it's a little bit on the low side. Aldosterone, 313. Estradiol, 95. Cortisol, 160. Okay, that's good. I'm currently taking pregnenolone, 15 milligrams in the morning. Uh, afternoon oral fasting. DHA, 15 milligrams oral fasting in the morning. Blood test was about one and a half hours later, 8 a.m. Should I increase the pregnenolone dose and suspend the DHA dose? What do you say? I've already watched your videos, but this, unfortunately, I'm still in a deficit. Okay, so you check your DHEA sulfate, 
uh, yeah, DHS sulfate he checked was 19.5. So that's well below the reference range. That doesn't mean that your free pregnenolone levels are uh, below the reference range. But a lot of labs only offer the pregnenolone sulfate and DHA sulfate testing, not the free pregnenolone or the free DHEA. They offer free testosterone, free T3, free T4, um, free IGF-1, right? You can also check your IGF-1 binding proteins. Uh, but free pregnenolone, you don't really know. So it could be that um, you're simply not converting the pregnenolone that you took into pregnenolone sulfate, which acts as a reservoir for your neurosteroid, right? The sulfatase, what is it? Steroids, sulfatase, sulfatase enzymes, right? Convert pregnenolone or uh, free raw pregnenolone into pregnenolone sulfate, same for DHEA. And then there's another uh, enzyme that converts that back. So it could be that your pregnenolone is simply not converting into pregnenolone sulfate, but it's converting into progesterone instead. But we can clearly see based on your DHEA sulfate levels being super physiological, almost double out of the reference range, that these enzymes are working. So there might be something going on in another enzyme that seems to preferentially convert your oral pregnenolone into progesterone. Now, I just made a video about the steroidogenesis inhibitors. So it could be that something is going wrong through this pathway. So please watch that video. I released it um, Thursday, so two days ago. And then at the top of the description, there's a link to a Wikipedia page. Yes, I got my information from Wikipedia. Shame on me. I should be banned and canceled. Um, still was a good video, though. Not too many views, but I found it very enjoyable to make. Um, give that uh, article on Wikipedia a read and then see which steps of pregnenolone to progesterone or pregnenolone to pregnenolone sulfate, uh, uh, pregnenolone sulfate <laughs> man, uh, are inhibited by particular compounds. It might be that you're taking something that is inhibiting or uh, catalyzing some of these steps. And otherwise, instead of taking it oral in a fasted state, maybe you need to buffer it with food. Right? Maybe the absorption is so rapid that your body can't convert the pregnenolone into pregnenolone sulfate. It's converting it from pregnenolone into progesterone instead through these enzymes, um, you know, which are part of the steroidogenesis uh, cascade, right? the sex hormone and neurosteroid cascade. So maybe you need to take it either sublingually or buffer it with food. Maybe instead of, what was your protocol? Let's see, he takes... Uh, 50 milligrams in the morning and afternoon oral fasting. So maybe you need five milligrams with, uh, so you take 30 milligrams per day, right? Maybe you need five milligrams with six meals, or maybe you need to take 15 milligrams sublingually and see if that alters your levels. Now, based on your hormone panel, I would say that you should feel fine besides your estradiol being a little bit on the high side. So, you know, I, I would say that maybe add in dinylmethane or calcium deglucrate, or both, or maybe a low-dose aromatase inhibitor. And again, watch that steroidogenesis inhibitor video. I got a lot of ideas about uh, aromatase enzyme inhibition, um, you know, in that video as well. So, you know, look into um, changing your administration route, whether that's sublingual or buffering the tablets with food over multiple servings over the day. And otherwise, I would say, uh, since you're not complaining about having any uh, side effects besides the numbers on paper, right? I'm in a deficit. The numbers on paper say I should feel horrible, but you probably don't feel horrible. Otherwise, you would start your four-message message with side effects. So, um, you know, make the adjustments and then take it from there. IR Grunt asks, how are there any plans to have some Increlex lab tested so that 
all the other IGF-1 on the market can be compared against. Um, I know it's too expensive to send it to, uh, what, what is it called, uh, Janoshik. And I checked the Janoshik website and they don't specifically mention that they have IGF-1 test, uh, testing available. What I can ask, if they have it available, what the costs are, and then send in, um, you know, 100 micrograms, <laughs> 200 micrograms over. The problem is you need to keep this cold. And, and you know, the reason why I was able to get it here, it was not through post. It was through a, a you know, reliable supply chain. Let's just put it that way. Um, so I received it cold, right? So I was not worried that it was denatured or potency was lost or bioavailability was reduced. But sending it to, what is it, Romania uh, through the mail and then getting stuck in customs and, you know, shipping liquids out of Thailand is always a bit tricky. So they might even ship it back. And then by the time I get it back, it's completely denatured. Now, I'm not uh, scared to lose 100 micrograms, but still, you know, it would be such a waste uh, based on the price that I paid for it. So, um, yeah, I could ask, but you know, will it arrive in a, in the same state as uh, that I shipped it? And, you know, it's probably going to take two weeks. And even if I ship it with, you know, you know, a kilo of ice packs, by the time it arrives and it gets into Janoshik's hands, it will probably be denatured. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take 500 micrograms intramuscularly um, about an hour before I draw bloods, draw my bloods, check my growth hormone uh, IGF-1 levels, check my IGF-1 binding proteins, if I can do that here. And then uh, IV 100 micrograms and then check it five uh, minutes later after, you know, the blood has kind of circulated and then see what my uh, IGF-1 levels uh, have become, right? I don't want to IV more than 100 micrograms um, because, you know, you might go hypoglycemic. And the last thing I want is to go hypoglycemic at Briolabs. So that is the experiment that we're going to run. We're going to experiment compared to my natural levels from, um, you know, a month ago at, what was it, 190 nanograms per milliliter versus 500 micrograms for a couple days or, well, it will be like nine days leading into the blood work. So it should be sufficiently elevated um, one hour intramuscularly, see what happens to my GF1 levels and then IV it, see what happens again. Yeah, you guys better super chat me because every test is like over $70. So hit me up for the sake of the community. <laughs> Zekabolic asks, hey, Steve, I've purchased all of your eBooks and read through them multiple times. Throughout them, you mentioned each book, such as Comprehensive Guide to Fasting and a few others that aren't on your website. Is there any way I can purchase all of the missing eBooks? Yeah, so when I started writing those eBooks, I planned to uh, make a lot more. And I, I sold a boatload of them, and then somehow they ended up on uh, forums. And people started downloading them. So I don't really feel motivated to make more ebooks. Plus, I'm super busy anyway. And when I look at my overall income, when I compare the income of the ebooks uh, and then project that um, against making 20 more ebooks, that still pales in comparison uh, for the time invested that I need to put into those ebooks compared to other revenue streams. So um, time-wise and financially, it doesn't make sense, especially considering that people are just copy pasting, you know, the eBooks left and right. So what we're going to do is when I, once I hit uh, 88 miles an hour, I mean, 100,000 subscribers on this YouTube channel, we're going to do a little bit of a membership site where some of the contents of the old eBooks will be updated and presented in video formats with citations this time. 
um, because everybody was asking me about citations in my ebooks, which at that time I just wrote from personal experience, um, you know, and um, from memory of all the, uh, you know, scientific literature I had researched. But I do understand that a lot more people are interested in citations. So what I'm going to do is uh, convert the ebooks into video formats. And I want to have a video about it and the uh, membership site goes live, then uh, the ebooks will be no more. Right? And then I can make addendum videos if that's uh, needed. So that's the plan on the ebooks. Because, you know, unfortunately, people copy it left and right. And when you see that your ebook has been downloaded 10,000 times <laughs> for one ebook, uh, that's $250,000 uh, lost of potential revenue. So my sincere apologies if I don't feel uh, too motivated to my, uh, make more. Um, you know, yeah. So you can blame the community for it. Let's see. Zagabolic asks, hey, Steve, can we get a video on all your protocols you've used over the years to help athletes beat the drug test? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, I will not. Why? Because if you put that publicly, why they will also be able to see that and then make the appropriate adjustments. So why give them the information for free? If you want to beat the drug test, hire me for a consultation. That being said, for the Summer Olympics, I will retire from giving drug test or beating the drug test advice because I don't think by that time that all of my knowledge will be up to date with the new drug testing parameters that surely are going to roll out around the Summer Olympics. Might I make a um, protocol video around that time, keeping it simple, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, surface area uh, to give you some food for thought, potentially. But until that day comes, until I retire from uh, giving uh, drug testing advice, uh, I will keep it to myself and the people who are willing to pay for that information. There are many. There are many. So, um, yeah, too bad. Darius asks, one of my depressed friends was prescribed a, select a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor in combination with a selective antagonist, uh, what is it, serotonin antagonist reuptake inhibitor. Uh, is that true? S sorry, let me, let me double check that abbreviation. And if my internet goes, ah, okay, here. Serotonin antagonist and reuptake inhibitor. To me, this sounds insane, but I would like to hear your take. Uh, I'm not familiar with Asari's, um, and I don't think, no, I've never heard anything, you know, about this in combination. So uh, uh, listen to your doctor or do the research yourself. I've used an SSRI in the form of fluvoxamine. Vorioxetine sounds a little bit more appealing to me after doing a lot more research. So that might be the one that I might experiment with um, in the future, albeit that my wife said that I don't need it. So, you know, sometimes you just need to listen to your wife and buckle down. <laughs> Not all the time, but, you know, once in a while here and there, you know, to appease the marriage. Um, so I have no idea, buddy. Sorry, can't help you there. I'm not too specialized in SSRIs, uh, besides my anecdotal experience with the fluoxamine, which was great, besides the withdrawal, which was horrible. But I have no, I've never even heard of a, a serotonin antagonist and reuptake inhibitors until now. So uh, listen to your doctor or tell your friend to listen to the doctor. And if they don't agree, find another doctor. There are many on this planet. Marcus asks, hey, Steve, what needles do you need to use for subcutaneous daily administrations of oil-based steroids? Backloading technique, thank you. Okay, so um, 
from my personal experience, you can inject anywhere between half a milliliter to one milliliter subcutaneously. Um, that works quite well. I've done that for uh, months where I did one milliliter sub-Q, uh, so that's seven milliliters per week at the height of my previous cycle of around a thousand milligrams of various steroids combined. I did everything sub-Q and I backloaded the insulin syringes um, from a sterile vial, which I reconstituted, not reconstituted, where I mixed <laughs> all of the steroids that I needed for that week in this new sterile vial. So step number one, lay out all the steroids you want to take over the week, right? whether that's uh, in ampules or vials, um, not the one that comes in these bags or shampoo bottles, so I throw that away or send it to me, I will dispose it for you uh, subcutaneously. Uh, <laughs> no, I will never take that shit. <laughs> so lay out all your steroids, draw whatever you need, transfer that to the sterile vial. You can use a three milliliter syringe or a five milliliter syringe with a 17 or what, 18 gauge needle, right? Draw it nice and easily, transfer it to the sterile vial, shake it vigorously so everything is uh, homogenous right and the the steroids are dispersed easily throughout or evenly throughout the solution and then you can either draw with the same insulin syringe that you're going to inject with but if you don't want to um dull that needle or you're using uh, like what i was using bayer testofiron and bayer premium which is thick thicker than the girls you see in the rap videos yeah, sucking on that, drawing on that will, uh, you know, will take a while. So, you know, if, if you go with the pharmaceutical Bayer, um, yeah, you might want to backload your insulin syringes with, uh, you know, three mil syringe and then 18 gauge or, or you know, whatever gauge you prefer. Right? Yeah, one inch, it's more enough. You don't need to penetrate the sterile vial or the back of the insulin syringe that deeply. Uh, not one one half inch. You can even use half an inch. Um, so you backload it, right? You fill it up to whatever you need. You put it in the top. You flick it upside down. You tap it on the side of the disc a couple times until all the oil goes down, and then you slowly push it up to the point there's no air left. And then you save that in your steroid drawer, or you inject that right away, depending on your preference. Um, you know, subcutaneously, no big deal. Go with the 13 millimeter insulin needles that are 100 IUs um, of insulin, which is basically one milliliter, right? So, yeah, that's the way to do it. And we're backing up a lot of questions. Okay, we have a boatload of questions from Ahmed, so let's go through those quickly. Uh, hey, coach, hope you're enjoying the Increlex so far. Yes, I'm enjoying it very much. I finally feel like a bodybuilder again. Uh, what do you think about my alkaline phosphatase levels always being low around 32 units per liter on range for 46 to 116? Um, it sounds like a micronutrient deficiency or zinc deficiency is very common to have low alkaline phosphatase level. Or there's an issue with your liver, but all, all your other markers are in range. Um, it sounds to me, again, I don't see your blood work, but it sounds to me that there's either a zinc deficiency or overall caloric intake uh, that's too low for too long, um, you know, and otherwise do an ultrasound on your liver to see what's going on. But most cases, when I see low alkaline phosphatase, it's a zinc deficiency as simple as 50 milligrams or 100 milligrams zinc, picolinate or glycinate or whatever is your favorite version, uh, solves that and brings that to, you know, 50 or maybe even 60 units per liter. Ahmed asks, uh, hematocrit is 52%, hemoglobin 17.26, my red blood cell count is 6.24, okay, so it's a little bit high. Marriott cell distribution width is 15.7, so it's also a little bit elevated. On 500 tests, 300 Mastron, 200 Primo, 
at what limit should I be worried about this number? So right now your hematocrit is okay, but your red blood cell count is a little bit elevated. So I would say that your red blood cells, based on your red cell distribution with um, a large portion are too small, containing not enough hemoglobin and thus not having enough oxygen. So based on this red cell distribution width, I would say that you're iron deficient, but it could be that you're simply not absorbing the iron into the hemoglobin for your red blood cells to be normal size and thus have normal red blood cell concentrations at the top of the reference range, let's say 5.5 instead of 6.24, again, assuming that you're not dehydrated, um, to match your hematocrit at 52%, right? It's top of the reference range and RBC is what, 5.8, 5.5, top of the reference range depending on the range that you follow um, so if you're already supplementing with iron look into a vitamin b100 complex or injectable vitamin b12 right and and again make sure that you're hydrated um and 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 check your kidney function you know i mean you know erythropoiesis is stimulated through the kidneys into the bone marrow so i would not be worried about these numbers albeit that you're RBC might go up more and more and more. While your hematocrit stays the same, your red cell distribution width might skew more if you're not paying attention to your iron intake or your vitamin, uh, your B vitamin intake, that's your B7, 9, 12, or about a B100 complex can usually fix that. All right, next one. For borderline hypothyroidism, which is better, T4 only or T3 and T4 combined? Uh, start with 50 micrograms T4 if that doesn't solve it, 100 micrograms T4 if that doesn't solve it, 150 micrograms T4. And if that doesn't raise your T3 levels, uh, look into your selenium intake, maybe take a little bit of growth hormone to speed up the deiodinase enzymes and uh, or, you know, contribute to deiodinase enzyme activity, assuming you get enough selenium in your diet or selenium, however the fuck you want to pronounce it. Um, and if that's still not getting the job done, then, you know, armor thyroid, 12.5 micrograms T4 or T3 and 25 micrograms T4 once or twice per day. Take it from there, right? Slowly build it up because they're going to 100 micrograms on both. Um, that's your heart rate in your, uh, you know, beating your chest and through your neck and out of your ears uh, to the point you look like um, the Cloverfield monster, uh, the pulsating heartbeats. So don't do it. I build it up slow. Achman asks, uh, your thoughts on intramuscular lattice? <laughs> and did you know about Chase's horror story with it going hypo after the administration within minutes? Yeah, don't do insulin intramuscularly unless it's uh, Umalog, um, because that's usually in the single dosages, but lattice is usually in the double, double digit dosages. So if you take that intramuscularly or you pin it in a place where your subcutaneous, uh, you know, uh, tissue is so little, so you're super shredded and you take, you know, intramuscular or a line to subcutaneously in the stomach and your skin is already this thin, uh, you know, it might be better just to pin it at the top of your butt if there's still a bit of fat present because the subcutaneous space will act as a buffer allowing the lantus to slowly absorb or raise your insulin levels slowly over time. So um, don't take it intramuscularly. Right? There's a reason why these medications are designed for subcutaneous use. And if you want to take something intramuscularly, take like two IUs, three IUs, Umalog, when you need it. Uh, Pre-workout, again, with cautious, with caution, or post-workout, uh, again, with caution, right? For the experienced user only. And Ahmed is just uh, spamming the chat. <laughs> and if cause, uh, what is this? On 180 milligrams testosterone acetate per week, will it be a valuable option to add 70 milligrams acetate 
per week, 10 milligrams daily for eight weeks as, as a short blast. Uh, get all of your other health conditions under control first because Tremblon are certainly make, uh, going to make it worse, uh, Ahmed. So uh, will it work? Yes. Is it required at this point in time? Probably not. And you're already having some issues, so get those addressed first. And then if you want to do 10 milligrams uh, Tremblon acetate subcutaneous per day, uh, go for it. Yeah. Ahmed asks, if you have reconstituted peptides with bacteriostatic water and sit in the fridge for almost six months, can it still um, use it? It looks clear, not cloudy. That's pretty long. Um, <laughs> that's for six months already reconstituted. Dude, I would just throw it away, <laughs> you know, unless it's uh, some of the peptides that people were asking about that are like $300 a vial. Um, maybe then, but... I don't know, been like uh, two IUs, five IUs subcutaneous. And if, if you get away without a redness and bumps and itchy and, and post-injection pain, then it might be okay. But it, it's very likely that it's uh, denatured because, again, you punctured the vial, you let some outside air in. And even though it's bacteriostatic water, I mean, I think even bacteriostatic water might keep it good for a week, two weeks. You know, they say that the HCG is uh, okay when you reconstitute it for bacteriostatic water for up to 60 days. But, you know, my experience tells otherwise. So, I know. Try a little bit sub-Q and see what happens before you inject, uh, before you accidentally inject the entire vial. And the last question from Ahmed asks, uh, do you think that fake or expired peptides uh, can misfold, have misfolded protein and cause major harm? Yeah, that is a reason for concern, but then it's usually uh, cloudy, you know. It's more likely that your boat, uh, your 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 boat team, <laughs> your body, your body produces misfolded proteins. That's why I think it's good to you know take a week off from food and, and training that kind of stuff, and you know go induce a little bit of uh, autophagy um, to kind of clean out all the potential misfolded proteins that might be present in your body. Right? That's why we fast every three months, um, you know, four times a year for five and a half days. Um, then you would get that from you know, on a peptide exogenously uh, that is not cloudy. So, you know, peptides might expire, uh, might still work. You know, the expiration date is just a number. Um, you know, same as on milk. Of course, it might still be good for like two or three days. But, you know, if peptides are available, are good for three months uh, pre-constituted or three years pre-constituted and then 60 days after reconstitution, and then uh, it might still be good 60 days later. But you know, ideally, what you do is you reconstitute and you finish the vial, and then you have to make a decision if you want to, uh, you know, crack open another vial and reconstitute the, uh, the puck, the lifeless puck, and then uh, finish that vial. Because um, I've never, f you know, finished, I never stopped the cycle with, uh, you know, half-finished vials or pens of insulin or growth hormone in the fridge. No, my cycle stops, my protocol stops when all the drugs are finished, because why waste them? Right? I'm not, I might be off for months uh, or not take this for months. Um, so it would be a waste to throw it away or maybe lose a little bit of potency. All right. Aaron Pollock or Alan Rollock <laughs> asks, Hello, coach. Is there a certain way of eating that can get rid of the gas I'm experiencing? Maybe low FODMAP diet. What's your opinion? Um, yeah, just remove all the foods that are causing you gas. Could be FODMAP foods. Could be whey protein. Could be dairy products. Could be an excessive amount of uh, vegetables right, that you're not digesting properly could be that the vegetables are just fermenting some protein sources uh could be that you need to fast for a couple of days right i have several videos about how to digest or improve your digestion 
Um, I look into that and otherwise look into LL37. It's a peptide that kind of, you know, resets your gut microbiome. And then, of course, you need to repopulate that with, um, you know, healthy bacteria, whether that's supplements or raw food. Um, so, yeah, if you experience a lot of flatulence, uh, remove the foods that are causing you flatulence. Jake. Uh, Steve, with my doctor, I decided to stay on low-dose CRT while restoring fertility with FSH, HCG, glutathione, etc. Is the reason you recommend coming off TRT just to recover semen parameters faster? No, it's just to mitigate the oxidative damage. Um, you know, steroids can potentiate oxidative stress, and training on steroids makes that worse. So I decided to come off cycle because I didn't want to subject the semen that I was producing to unnecessary amounts of oxidative stress. Um, while I'm trying to get my wife pregnant, because it seems that the oxidative stress is the worst on your morphology and your motility. This is why you see when you look into, um, you know, people who smoke and drink, their morphology and motility uh, gets better if they do daily e ejaculations, because the semen doesn't stay in the seminal vesicles of the prostate for uh, longer than 24 hours. But if you keep it in there longer, so they say, you know, if you want to improve your uh, overall semen volume and semen counts, you need to keep it in the seminal vesicles. So you have like multiple days of uh, ejaculate present. But that's horrible for your morphology and your mortality. The longer you keep the semen in the seminal vesicles, the more it's subject to oxidative stress. And this is why a lot of people either get a better morphology or mortality through the use of glutathione or other antioxidants, taurine, vitamin C, blah, 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 blah. Um, or they do daily ejaculations. Um, which is hard to keep up sometimes, you know, when you're busy and sometimes your partner doesn't always want to go. So uh, we've settled on every other day ejaculations. And of course, I'm doing the fertility protocol and my, you know, oxidative stress is quite minimal, even though, you know, I'm in on Incrolex, I'm training a little bit harder, but at least steroids are not part of the picture. So the whole reason to come off uh, anabolic energetic steroids was to minimize the oxidative stress, increase glutathione intake to basically every day, although I do forget my shots here and there. But overall, I would say that I'm, you know, getting well enough glutathione because I still do my intravenous administrations and vitamin C and taurine, etc. So yeah, I've basically been off cycle for over six months. And um, well, as you saw from my last fertility update, uh, my fertility parameters were stellar. And uh, we are actively trying again because ovulation is uh, just around the corner. So yeah, kicking ass and chewing bubble gum, baby. Aaron Rolick asks, coach, my fiance wanted to know how often uh, do you have to wash your hairless cats? She thinks they're adorable, but hurt, but hurt they can have, can have an odor as always much respect so it really depends on what you feed your cats if you feed your cats you know high quality foods like royal canine or some raw foods you know that you prepared yourself or cooked food for them um then they don't really have an odor and they don't really get that um that uh, greasy but yes the hairless cats do get greasy just like i get greasy i mean i just showered and it's already like coming out of my forehead but it, these lamps make it even look worse so i'm shiny as fuck um, so we clean them about uh, twice a week and then with little wipes here and there because some of the cats are a little bit more dirty than the other ones. Um, Kit, for example, the one with the short legs, uh, I barely post them on social media. I just always forget, but I, I do know them intimately, obviously. I spend a lot of time with my cats. We have a short one, a dwarf cat, so that has short legs and the curly ears. Uh, highly expensive, but highly adorable. He gets a little bit greasy. Uh, he sleeps in between, uh, you know, me and my wife at night. He's uh, like a little child, super needy, but also very, very cute. Uh, so I wipe him a little bit more often than the other cats. 
because um, they're not as greasy, right? And their their grooming is a little bit more pronounced compared to some of the other cats. Our uh, a black cat, the token black cat that we have, Foxy, um, you know, she gets she has that little dry like like earwax, dry Asian earwax. So she has you know you pet her a long time and your hand is completely covered with this dry grease. So they all have their own you know level of grease, I would say. Uh, so she uh, needs a little bit more of a thorough cleaning and she absolutely hates it. So she's also a short-legged cat, but she's, what was that called? Um, so not a dwarf. Uh, man, munchkin, but that that's with hair. Anyway, so she is also short-legged uh, short and uh, the kid is short-legged. So it seems that short-legged cats, uh, based on my anecdotal experience, are a little bit more greasy than the long-legged Sphinx cats. Uh, so we clean them a little bit more thoroughly than the other ones, but usually twice a week is more than enough. And I don't wash them or bathe them. We have uh, special uh, wet wipes, which are made for uh, Sphinx cats, also very expensive, but well worth it. You know, hyper uh, hypoallergenic and, and that kind of stuff, right? All the hippie terms are uh, printed on the label. Um, so very, um, you know, friendly for the skin of the cats. And then we, uh, you know, watch some TV and then you get one cat in between your legs and uh, just start wiping and they fucking hate it. Um, so you have to, uh, you know, feed them. Midna especially, she hates it. <laughs> it's like, it's like absolute war when I have to clean her. She's not even that dirty. Um, yeah. So you, you know, you have to feed them and then all the, all the funny cat sounds uh, come out like nom, 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 that kind of shit. So. Yeah, I should do a day in a life video, but I'm usually in my, you know, in my underwear, <laughs> my fucking morning pajamas when I clean the cats. Because, you know, with the wet wiping and the, and the grease and stuff, all my clothes are dirty as hell after I'm done. All right, moving over to the drug questions, because many are building up. Jake, how long does it take for IGF-1 to rise after starting growth hormone? Um, same day. Yeah. Same day, could be, you know, a couple hours. Uh, what was it? You, the growth hormone works, well, within 15 minutes, depending on the administration route. But I think peak IGF-1 levels happen around the four-hour mark. If I remember correctly, it's been a while since I researched that. So, but yeah, it starts to rise right after. But usually, you know, for people who want to do a serum test, they run their growth hormone for about a week. So you get the maximum amount of IGF-1 produced in the liver, and then they go do their serum test. So... Give it a week, and then you should be at uh, peak concentrations. Thomas, do you think it's smart to add growth hormone, insulin, IGF-1, LR3? Everybody wants to know about IGF-1 IGF now. Okay. To your protocol while having a little experience with steroids, but maybe you're still in the first nine months of the off-season. Um, yeah, it's, it's better than adding more steroids. I would say that growth hormone, insulin, again, if you know what you're doing, and IGF-1, LR3 are more healthy, unless you have cancer, obviously, so... Check your cancer markers, do a full better body MRI, etc. Um, besides that, uh, growth hormone insulin IGF-1, if you use them correctly and smartly, and uh, you know, uh, with a little bit of research behind you, then I would say that they're less invasive on your blood work parameters than adding more steroids. That's why I wrote those off-season cycles with bioidentical hormones. Give that ebook a read or buy the entire fucking bundle. It's only $150. If you can afford GH, insulin, IGF-1, and steroids. Uh, you can afford that ebook also, right? But you can also download it for free. And if you find it valuable, then you buy it. All right? I have no control over what you do with your money. So I can only make a recommendation. 
Darius, I answered this question already. Um, just use the timestamps when the video is done. Marco, hello coach. Are you familiar with Inderil? Um, oh yeah, it's also another, it's, it's that a better blocker? Uh, Inderil was, didn't I just, oh, that video is not up yet. Let me, Inderil, I think I mentioned it. Isn't that propanolol? Like long acting propanolol? Yeah, it's propanolol. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, so I just made a video about how to use beta blockers, um, uh, you know, bronchodilators and trimethazidine for the context of uh, boosting one's endurance. Also went over some of the stimulants, but the editor's still working on that, so you can look for that next week. And I could do go over Inderol, that's the, is that the long-acting propanolol or is that Inderol XR? Um, okay, anyway, let's answer the question. If not, it's a beta blocker and it manages blood pressure as well. Yeah, but it's better for... Uh, um, as a beta blocker than for blood pressure management, Nabivolol is superior over Inderol Propanol. Would you consider it an option if Nabivolol and Telmsartan aren't available? Yes, absolutely. But you have to dose it twice per day, unless it's the extended release version, which has a longer half-life than Nabivolol. The problem is that with Propanol, Inderol, is that it doesn't have this uh, selectivity of the beta-1 receptor. It also blocks the beta-2 receptors. And thus, uh, fat loss or central nervous system stimulation might, leave, might be a little bit um, suppressed, I would say. Um, it is good to take post-workout to kind of get you out of this fight-or-flight state, the sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic nervous system. So technically, you should recover faster. Um, but I wouldn't say that it's very beneficial for blood pressure over Nabivolol or Telmosartan, because again, Nabivolol also activates the beta-3 receptors of the vascular system and increases nitric oxide concentrations of the blood of the bloodstream and does the blood vessels kind of widen. So you lower your heart rates and it does the peripheral pressure when the blood is coming out of the heart is less lowering heart, uh, blood pressure. And since it dilates the arteries, it lowers blood pressure more. So propanolol, indirol, I would say post-workout, and otherwise you have to dose it twice per day. Um, but I would say that nabivolol and telmosartan are superior. So keep looking. Aaron, okay coach, I'm thinking of taking something to make me more uh, mild-mannered and focused fluvoxamine. Again, you can't just take fluvoxamine recreationally. That's like a commitment. <laughs> it's like a marriage, dude. You'll feel horrible when you take that off. This offense scene, yeah, I feel that it's a little bit less of a commitment. Uh, is there anything under you remember with the name uh, that you can think uh, and how to test? Um, man, there's so many ways to to make your more more mildly mannered. I, I would look into Samax, Lank, and fluvo and uh, not fluvoxamine, cerebralizin first. In that order, start with uh, Samax, then Selang, then Cerebralisin. And if you have a good experience, you feel more mild-mannered uh, and, you know, you take the edge off life and uh, not using weed or Kratom or whatever else. Um, if you feel that those uh, impact your emotional state and your, um, you know, your, your ability to control your anger better, right? You feel less agitated, less snappy, then maybe look into Tesofensine. Um, but I would use it intermittently, not as a commitment of every single day. If you want to use something every day, fluvoxamine or vorioxetine uh, seems to be the SSRIs to go with. But it's, it's, it's a very big commitment. Yeah, it's a very big commitment. People talk about SSRIs like they're candy. It's a severe understatement. Um, you need to build them up slowly. Otherwise, you get intestinal issues. 
uh, with your digestion and stuff because the serotonin levels in the intestinal tract will also go up. That's the main source of serotonin production after all. And, um, you know, the withdrawal is fucking brutal, dude. You know, it, it's, I mean, I've, I've gone through a lot of difficult phases in my life. Um, Post-cycle therapy is fucking easy compared to uh, fluvoxamine or SSRI withdrawal. It was not fun. <laughs> it's not fun, but not as bad as your parents divorcing or breaking your leg or having friends dying, right? That's worse than SSRI withdrawal. But, it, you know, if you've never had a hard day in your life, then this will be the hardest period of your life. I mean, look into the, the videos that I have on fluvoxamine withdrawal and then go through the websites that I link there about self-help forms of SSRI withdrawal and you read the stories there. This is nothing to be trifled with. You know, you need to know what you're getting yourself into. And um, yeah, I wasn't fully aware. So don't do what I did unless you're ready to suffer the consequences. Let's see. Oh, Ahmed is here. Liver function is all arranged and then ultrasound is fine. I'm using 30 milligrams of zinc per day. Okay, so again, based on all of your other blood work parameters, you might still be a little bit of nutrient deficient or just simply not eating enough. Um, that's a very common for alkaline phosphatase to kind of come down over time. So maybe look into your overall diet, your nutrient intake, your vitamin uh, B100, right? your overall B vitamins, your iron intake, maybe increase the zinc from 30 milligrams to 60 milligrams per day and then slowly take it from there. RBC is mostly the same kindly function. Uh, the same kindly function is in range. Okay, well, I'll take your word for it. Darius, what temperature can sealed bacteriostatic water be stored at and for how long? Um, I think it's fine if you keep it out of the fridge because it's sealed. It has a, um, you know, a benzoalcohol in there, 0.9% concentration. And uh, it can, should be able to be stored as long as is set on the bottle. That being said, um, Pfizer Hospira, bacteriostatic water, I don't think that's available anymore. I was looking on Amazon recently because on the Incrolex video, everybody said, Steve, you should mix it with acetic acid. Um, there's no acetic acid pharmaceutical available. So link me through direct messages. I've posted in the comment section many times. I was looking for, you know, uh, things to uh, help with the, uh, you know, dilution, but finding something that's pharmaceutical grade to uh, dilute my Incrolex with, besides sterile water, I haven't been able to find it. Not acetic acid at 0.25 or 0.6%, not bacteriostatic water at 0.9%, uh, you know, natrium chloride uh, water I was able to find, but um, if, in a pharmaceutical product. But seems that uh, everything is underground lab and and why would i dilute a pharmaceutical product that i paid an arm and a leg for with something that i don't even know is the real deal so anyway you should be able to keep your bacteriostatic water sealed for as long as is mentioned on the uh, expiration date and then if you crack it open you have to use it within 30 days allegedly all right hey steve i love pre-workout anadrol <laughs> me too buddy me too uh, but I can only tolerate 12.5 milligrams at most before blood pressure sides uh, to get too bad. Could I use Nibivalol to tolerate higher dosages? Well, Nibivalol is a poor blood pressure management. I would use Telmasartan instead. Um, but it's still better than nothing. Uh, and 12.5 milligrams shouldn't really increase your blood pressure. So look into your magnesium and calcium intake, please. That also contributes to your blood pressure. I think we discussed this last week, didn't we? 
Anyway, uh, maybe use five milligrams in bivalol. Give it a try. See what happens to your blood pressure. Then switch to forty milligrams to lamisartan. You'll probably notice that your blood pressure is in a much better range, and you get um, you know increased the vascular you know pumps and uh, vascular vascul <laughs> fucking hell, dude. Let me drink a little bit of water, and then get out of, get over this stupid word. Here we go again. Vasculatory system improve that with Tomasartan, which Nabivol doesn't really do that much. Um, again, lowers your heart rate and increases nitric oxide concentration of the bloodstream, and thus improves blood pressure. But you know, maybe twelve point five milligrams anadrol per day or pre-workout is not um, is too heavy um, for the Nabivol to manage the blood pressure. So Tomasartan might be ideal. And then you see that twenty-five milligrams, fifty milligrams anadrol a couple times a week is candy. Because the Tomasartan is keeping your blood pressure nicely controlled. And again, look into your calcium and magnesium intake, please. Or, or Cialis. You know, most sources that sell Anadrol also sell Cialis. It's also a very good way to control your blood pressure and get some uh, increased blood flow to your third member. Um, or main member. Yeah, third leg main member. Thomas, if you're using a low dose of growth hormone around two IUs, would you say the best time is just all before bed? Uh, depends on what you want. I don't, haven't we covered this like a million times before? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, hey, here you see, I have paid for the off-season ebook, Coach, no worries. So, if, if in the off-season cycle with uh, ebooks, I don't cover the growth hormone. It's in the growth hormone ebook. Um, so, quick reminder: if you want to take two AUs for fat loss, take it before fasted cardio. If you want to take it uh, for fat loss and anabolism, take it before your workout. And because then IGF-1 starts to peak directly after your workout and then you get, you know, the additional recovery, nutrient partitioning, hyperplasia, etc. from the IGF-1 uh, increase that you have. And if you want to improve your sleep quality, uh, take it before bed. And you might get a little bit of higher IGF-1 levels because it might compound with the IGF-1 uh, that you get from your nighttime growth hormone pulse, right? So your IGF-1 levels might be higher if you take your growth hormone before bed. Long story short, take your fucking growth hormone and shut the fuck up. Yeah. It doesn't really matter, honestly. <laughs> In the bigger picture, it doesn't really matter. You can take it whenever you want, whenever it's convenient. If you forget a dose, just take it. Um, as long as you don't eat like a butthole, when you take it, you should be fine. And we're done. We went through all the questions. Let me see if anybody posted something new on Patreon or the YouTube page. Nope. Patreon. Hopefully it doesn't kill my bandwidth. Oh, no. All right, we're good. All right, guys, you have uh, five minutes left to ask me some more questions. <laughs> and then we're going to let the herd join. Ugh. Look at these sweat stains. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> But it does. That's the incorrect working right there. My body temperature has gone up quite a bit. I noticed it during the workout. I'm like, man, well, I'm starting to radiate. <laughs> radiate heat. It's probably because I'm still fat. All right, Thomas. Could you mix growth hormone and L-carnitine in the same syringe? No. No, don't do it. L-carnitine might have some preservatives that might denature the growth hormone and thus everything will turn cloudy. You might not even notice it because two IUs of growth hormone is, you know, very low concentration. 
on your insulin syringe or very small amounts, maybe, you know, five IOs, 10 IOs or 20 IOs. And then if you load the insulin syringe up with carnitine, you draw it so fast that even if it denatures, you don't even see it because the other part of the syringe is carnitine. So now inject your growth hormone, use a separate syringe to inject your carnitine because otherwise you might denature the growth hormone. So that's why I used sterile water to dilute my Incrolex, not carnitine. Yeah, I have, I have liters of carnitine laying around. Imagine if I draw like 10 uh, milligrams, one milliliter of Incrolex, and then I put like four milliliters of carnitine in there, and then poof, all white and cloudy. You would break my heart, Anakin. You would break my heart. Ahmed. What do you think is a safe diuretic to help you lose more water? Um, sodium. Yeah, sodium is a great diuretic. But if you want to use safe diuretics, I mean, hydrochlorothiazide or diazepam, not diazepam. <laughs> diazide, not diazepam, guys. Diazide, that's hydrochlorothiazide with a triametrine. Um, it's a potassium sparing uh, diuretic. Uh, those would be safe for daily use if they're being uh, prescribed under medical guidance, right? So that's 25 milligrams hydrochlorothiazide and 12.5 milligrams uh, tiamatrine if you're going with the diazide formula. Some people take those daily. I know that uh, Chase Irons takes hydrochlorothiazide 25 milligrams daily. Some people take 40 milligrams Lasix daily. Uh, I'm not really sure how that affects your kidneys, but. Um, you know, the safest diuretic based on the research that I've done is uh, sodium and just drinking a lot of water and managing our electrolyte intake. That's why I made a video about that. And then if you need occasional, um, you know, help with losing more water, uh, yeah, hydrochlorothiazide. That seems to be the way to go. Hmm. All right, I guess we're done with all the questions. Did I miss one now, right? Good. All right, let me go to the bathroom, guys. And then uh, if there's any other questions popping up, I'll answer them when I get back. Bath. It's one oh too many. Bathroom, be right back. All right, put the banner up. Let's bring on the MK677 questions. <laughs> and then we going to go public. All right. Be right back, guys.
Alright. What's up guys? Welcome to the in Increlexible Vigorous Q&A. Uh, hopefully, oh, did, I, did the chat freeze again? Oh no. Let's have a look on the YouTube. Let's see. I'm sure I'm going to lose internet connection. All right, questions are coming. Yeah, they're coming in. Okay, we can remove this. Okay. Let's see. Uh, John Jones. The main celebrity here. Unfortunately, I can't stay, but just stopping to say hello. What's up, buddy? I hope you're doing well. No wonder the cat started screaming for attention. I might have to get one. Uh, let's see. Saiyan Soul, 8 kilograms down since taking your nicotinamide mononucleotide advice. Thank you. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a big difference. That's a big difference. I can't remember what your story was and why I recommended nicotinamide mononucleotides. But I guess you were stuck making uh, or making significant progress and uh, adding in the NMN in. Um, yeah, eight kilograms down. Well, uh, anecdotal uh, evidence that uh, sometimes my advice works. <laughs> Much appreciated, man. I'm happy to hear that. No, I'm, my wife is not pregnant, guys. <laughs> my wife is not pregnant yet. We're still trying. This is around the time of ovulation. So I'm having uh, many a uh, lower back session and hip thrust uh, this week and next week. But no, my wife's not pregnant yet. Um, I just wanted to run some Increlex. Uh, Adam Hearn, I use nicotinamide adenine um, or reduced nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide sublingual every day. Is there a reduced version of that? I didn't even know. I know NAD plus intravenously and of course nicotinamide mononucleotides, but I, I'm not aware that there's also a reduced NAD plus available. Um, I will look into it. Let's see. Does anyone know the half-life of Nibido, testosterone, and the canoids? Bear Doc says 90 days. Seems crazy. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it could be, what was it? I think it's like 30 days. But the problem is, you know, Nibido is produced in castor oil. And since they do such a high voluminous shot, um, you know, the castor oil is in a very big uh, injection depot. So the surface area is relatively low compared to the active pharmaceutical ingredient, which is in there. And even though it disperses throughout the glute or the quad or wherever it's being administered, um, it, it, it takes a long time to metabolize because, again, castor oil takes forever to be absorbed. So I would say that, you know, serum levels start to rise quite rapidly, but it will stay active for, for weeks to months, albeit that every injection, you know, after a month, you start to feel androgen deficient. So if you get Nibido, one milliliter per week, don't do four milliliters once a month, and certainly don't do one milliliter every 90 days, because the last 60 days of that administration is um, terrible. BG, hey Steve, would cutting film-coated tablets of aromacin affect its absorption? Is it okay for the rest 
of the cut pills to be exposed to air for a few days. Yeah, I don't think that's an issue. Um, I've done it like that for many, many years. And of course, if they're film coated, you know, the, the film coat, uh, coating might uh, lower the absorption or slow the digestion a little bit or speed it up. I'm not exactly sure what that uh, did entirely. And it might even differ from tablet to tablet. Um, but if you cut it, then you expose the middle part, right? Now, that being said, uh, I think with United States or United States Pharmacopoeia, the USP, uh, tablets should dissolve within 20 minutes if you add it to a acid solution, right? That's the normal rate at which tablets dissolve. So I don't think it matters if you cut it or don't cut it. I think it matters more if you eat it with food or without food. And that being said, I've had taken aromacin with food or without food. I've cut tablets, I've taken whole tablets, and it always seems to give me the same level of estradiol suppression, um, you know, in a dose-dependent fashion. So, you know, what you would expect. So, yeah, um, I think if you take it consistently and then do your blood work and make the adjustments based on your blood work, then uh, I think you should be good, man. All right, let's see. Uh, Jordan Rosengarten. Aside from morning cardio and bring carbs down, any other tips to get stubborn fat off my lower back? It's an eyesore. Uh, Yohimbine or Robolcine seems to be uh, beneficial to preferentially burn fat from the lower back. I've always used it, and then my lower back kind of shrinks in, and then it's still left on my glutes and hamstrings. That takes a little bit longer to go away. So three milligrams, maybe six milligrams Robolcine. Your mind has a pretty good product, the Alpha Yohimbine Robolcine available you get 10 percent discount with code vigorous right uh, assuming you live in the area that they deliver to and otherwise just get it from iherb or bodybuilding.com or wherever you can get your role scene less side effects compared to your himbine at the same milligram dose a little bit uh, discrepancy between the receptor binding of the alpha receptors but all things considering, I would say that three milligrams of himbine versus three milligrams robulcine, uh, the results are pretty much the same so uh, that is what I would look into and otherwise a ketogenic diet to keep your insulin levels kind of suppressed and low throughout the day and um, So that's bringing the carbs down to zero basically uh, Yeah Yeah, that's pretty much it and otherwise um, You know glucagon injections <laughs> But yeah, the glucagon is kind of expensive. So you take uh, you know 0.25 milligrams half a milligram total so 0.25 milligrams in the left lower back and then the right lower back half a milligram uh, glucagon and then you do cardio until your blood glucose levels finally come down because it will raise your blood glucose levels um, maybe for an hour so basically if you start injecting the glucagon directly into the lower back so per perhaps with uh, robulcine at the same time um, glucose levels might be elevated for 40 minutes one hour so you better do cardio the entire way through to burn away all this um, energy that you're now liberating so that would be a second option but those might be quite a bit per injection, depending on where you get it from. Let's see, does spinning growth hormone in the delts uh, intramuscularly give localized growth? No, I've tried this myself to pin growth hormone locally. Uh, IGF-1 does seem to cause some localized effect, but if you really want swole delts, um, look into Amino Asylum Stampede or Super Shredder. That will give you crazy pumps. Um, right now I'm pumped uh, systemically because I take my uh, IGF-1 uh, well, subcutaneously. So, yeah, I would say that... Uh, that uh, no, it's not going to work. If you want localized uh, growth um, using drugs, then either IGF-1 or uh, Amino Asylum Super Shredder or stampede into the delts. 
Rainy. Homocysteine level 17.3, high sensitivity C-reactive protein 0.6. Any issues? Uh, C-reactive protein looks good to me, but homocysteine levels could be down to 10, 12. So why don't you up your B vitamins and then see what happens? Because in many cases when homocysteine levels are elevated is because you're B vitamin deficient or choline deficient. So look into those uh, avenues and then take it from there. David Blue Iffy. All right. Thank you for your super sticker. I don't see a question yet, but maybe it will pop up later. Please remind me if I miss it. Uh, 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 Blue SDI, what's up, Steve? What's up? What's up, buddy? Vicarian SK, can't send super chats. Uh, you might be using a word that's in the spam filter. So maybe you try it out first in the regular chat until you find a message that works. And then uh, use that same message for the super chat. Um, and then it should be able to go through. Don't stump me. I won't answer your questions. <laughs> Let's see. Brendan. Hey, Steve. I love your videos. They provide so much useful information. Yes, thank you. I'm happy to give back. Don't forget to like and comment. So, uh, yeah. Wait. You and Chase are both on live, so I'm switching back and forth. What the fuck, man? That Saturday evening is my programming. Chase is live. No wonder I only have 55 people here. And Chase Irons has 100 watching. I'm going to post in his fucking chat. Hey. <laughs> fucking asshole. Damn it. Now nobody is in my live stream. <laughs> Just trolling. All right. Save the bandwidth for my live stream. That's funny. Uh, where are we? David, oh, here's the, here's the question from David Blue Iffy. Can I take Trimblone, uh, uh, Phenoplex cattle pellets and plug where the sun don't shine because I don't want to brew? Um, technically, it should be possible. Um, just make sure you don't have the Phenoplex tablets which contain uh, estrogen. <laughs> So, <laughs> but dude, if you can find the trim pallets are more difficult to source than Trimbalone acetate on the underground lab market. So you just use some real Trimbalone pre's, um, you know, boofing trend, uh, cattle pellets uh, might make you go moo. So, yeah, is it possible? Yes, but um, I wouldn't do it. Let's see, where are we? Vicarian, SK, Sizen versus Genotropin, ignoring uh, Pfizer brand op opinions. Yeah, okay, so uh, leave the personal opinions out of it. Um, that's a hard one, because I think both potentiate a little bit of the same water attention. And, of course, Genotropin, you have to reconstitute, uh, you know, in a different way, because it comes in a pen. Uh, I would go with price. <laughs> I would just go with the best deal. You know, ask for a bulk deal and see what is cheapest. I think the results are going to be pretty much the same and the water retention is going to be pretty much the same. Then it's just a matter of price and convenience. So, you know, take it from there. Michael, 
Diet advice for people who work labor-intensive jobs. Example, walking 8 to 10 miles and lifting volume of 70,000 pounds over a 12 to 15-hour shift. Um, eat a lot. <laughs> Just eat a lot and make sure that it's easy to digest because if you're walking that much and lifting that much, uh, you know make sure you have a lot of electrolytes in the picture especially if you're sweating a lot because otherwise you're just burning through all of the calories that you're eating so something that's easy to digest high caloric uh, volume so you don't feel super full at the end of the day um so you know uh, maybe a little bit of peanut butter into your shakes don't use oatmeal but use something uh, like cream of rice for example and then uh, you know a little bit of uh, you know blended food to have in between your shifts or when you can yeah, you're going to have to eat a lot, especially if you also work out on the side. Um, you know, insulin, IGF-1, might uh, go a long way for you because you're constantly turning over all of these nutrients for your labor-intensive job. And then afterwards, you're also going to the gym. So eat, 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 eat. And then, um, yeah, hopefully everything will turn out all right. BG, do you think... Oh, let me highlight it. I actually looked into this. BG, do you think if we had a 3-alpha-hydroxysteroid uh, reductase, 3-alpha-hydroxysteroid reductase uh, inhibitor, uh, would it make injectable DHT a powerful steroid since 3-alpha-HSD deactivated? Yeah, I've actually looked into that, <laughs> but I couldn't find one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I couldn't really find something suitable to use as a 3-A-HSD inhibitor. Um, but uh, technically, on paper, it makes sense. Of course, there's other compounds and other uh, steroids that go through this uh, deactivation pathway. So, you know, it might not be the best for your overall health. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's something that is uh, worth considering, you know. That being said, you know, DHT, Anavar, Primabolin, Mastron, they're all quite powerful drugs. Um, you know, that being said, I'm, I'm going to run my Increlex with the D-peptidyl peptidase 4 inhibitor to prevent the breakdown of IGF-1. So I can't really point fingers here. <laughs> All right. Murad Yelmaz, new member. Welcome to the Vickers crew, bro. We'll have uh, the next Vickers Q&A privately is on Friday. So don't miss because Saturday I'm flying to Japan. Rainy. Let's see, T3, 0 0.6, T4, 3.7, TSH, 1.67, 9% body fat, supplementing with 50 micrograms T4, two years growth hormone, should I add T3 to accelerate fat loss as T3 is bottom of the reference range on a contest prep? I would uh, increase your T4 to 100 micrograms first and uh, make sure, well, you're probably eating a lot of protein anyway, so your, your selenium intake is covered unless you're a vegetarian. Um, so... Yeah, if you're a vegetarian, uh, add in some selenium, maybe 400 micrograms per day. But if you're not a vegetarian, I would increase the T4 to 100 micrograms and then see if your T3 levels come up that way. But you know what's the best way to convert your T4 into T3? Carbs. Yeah, carbs. So if you're 9% body fat, I'm assuming you still have a weekly refeed. Next time you do your blood work, check it the day after you refeed. See if you're... T3 and T4 levels and your TSA levels are a little bit more favorable than they are now. But yeah, I would initially increase the T4 to 100 micrograms and take it from there. Mm -mm -mm. A 
Let's see. Alex. Hey, Steve. How come I wake up from a hard workout? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> how come I wake up a lot at night from a hard workout in the afternoon? Let's say I train one and a half to two hours until 6 p.m. And I sleep at 12 midnight. Getting to sleep isn't a problem, but staying asleep is. I think there was a follow-up here. Uh, last time I woke up every tw 20 minutes at a point. I think you're just training too long. Your cortisol levels are too high. And you're in this uh, sympathetic state a little bit longer. So you would benefit from propanolol <laughs> to bring you into, um, you know, the parasympathetic, the rest and digest state. I just made, you know, a comment about this. So please use the timestamps to skip to a previous segment of this vigorous Q&A and wait for next week for the Optimized Endurance Deep Dive video about optimizing cardiac function uh, to drop. So... Uh, in your case, uh, maybe train one hour, 25 minutes, or one hour in total. Keep that cortisol level down. Don't use pre-workout that contains caffeine, because if you're training at four, let's say, and you're finishing at six, the caffeine might still be, um, you know, keeping you awake at 12. And, uh, you know, again, you might not be in this rest and digest state and thus um, waking you up multiple times per night. And then, of course, the sleep aids are you're going to ask about. I have a deep dive video series about that also. Uh, but ideally, you just train less or less long, at least. Remove the pre-workout that contains caffeine or other stimulants. And then you should be able to uh, sleep a lot better. <clears throat> Let's see. Ah. Hey, Steve, what do you think of the rebound effect? So I'm talking about the fact that the competitor, after going down to very low fat loss ratio, low fat ratios, suddenly grow up with a great insulin sensitivity in the offseason. Do you think you need to go down to very low fat levels before you can grow? Thanks. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's something to say for uh, utilizing the rebound phase because your insulin sensitivity and your nutrient partitioning is so much more beneficial. So... You know, people that want to grow, ideally you make them diet for a month or two months first. You don't have to be single digit body fat. You don't have to be super, super lean, uh, but it's good to be in a caloric restrictive state for a while until you start growing. This is why we occasionally do mini diets while you're in the off season because insulin sensitivity is lost and you're simply getting too fat. So dieting is always cyclical. You might diet for one or two months, you know, sustaining all the muscle mass and the strength that you had. Then you start growing, right? Now you get more strength, more muscle mass, more body weight, obviously, a little bit more fat tissue. And when you're too fat for comfort or you're not really making any more progress, depending on your PD protocol, then you might diet, right? For two weeks, three weeks, one month, depending on how long you can sustain it. Sometimes the diet is a little bit more aggressive than other times. Sometimes you use more drugs than other times. So you have to look into the total picture, but... It's, it's okay to diet for, you know, two or three months or, or one month or two weeks, you know, depending on your preference. And then, you know, do the off season for a couple of months just to make sure that your insulin sensitivity in the bigger picture stays sustained because eventually you're just going to get fat. But, you know, doing a mini diet for a month might just uh, give you another growth spurt, sort of say. <clears throat> Let's see. Lord Lasoya, no message. Anything? <clears throat> Let's uh, put some people in timeout first. <laughs> spam, spam, spam. Uh, okay, so I don't see a question, so I'll consider this a super sticker until I see 
Um, yeah, a question from you. Please remind me if I forget it. David Blue Iffy. Going to experiment anyway. Pure train pallets. Should I crush and mix it with DMSO first? Uh, don't take pure DMSO uh, straight up into the butt cheeks because it will burn your asshole inside out. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, you can crush it and then, uh, yeah, maybe use a 5% or 10% DMSO solution in MCT oil, for example, um, or, or just regular water and then, uh, yeah, boof that uh, anally. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah, make sure the trim pallets don't have estrogen in there, okay? Rana G, all right, is an estimated glomerular filtration rate of 74 calculated using creatinine at 1.74 bads. Uh, that's a little bit on the high side, I would say that. What's your body weight? Please let us know. Uh, on Tremolone, 50 milligrams every day. Mastron, 50 milligrams every day. Testosterone every day. Uh, testosterone anthate, uh, 750 milligrams weekly, I'm uh, assuming. Let's see. Uh, what other than estragalus for kidney health? So next time, check your cystatin C levels. If those are in a range, I would assume that your kidney function is normal, but your creatinine levels are a little bit high. That being said, are you fully hydrated? What is your body weight? Are you taking creatine supplements? Did you just have a crazy workout the day before? Um, check your cystatin C. Do a 24-hour urine collection test if your cystatin C is elevated. And do an ultrasound in your kidney, again, if your 24-hour uh, urine collection test comes back with microalbumin or blood or other shit in your urine uh, that shouldn't be there, right? So step-by-step, cystatin C first, then a 24-hour urine collection test. You can check your cystatin C in the urine as well if your uh, clinic provides that. And then an ultrasound on the kidneys. And if all three are shit, and then you're off the trembloni sandwich. Yeah, and then estragalus root extract and, uh, you know, a lot of cardio and just uh, taking it easy, um, taking the creatine supplements out and uh, just uh, focusing on your health for a while should improve your EGFR and lower your creatinine. Mine was as high as 1.96 at one point, and now it's around 1.25, uh, but my cystatin C levels were always in range. Yeah, but when it was uh, 1.96 milligrams per deciliter, I was eating or taking 10 grams of creatine monohydrate per day and uh, yeah, moving all the plates from the gym from one piece of equipment to another free weight to another. So I was walking, uh, you know, farmers walking the whole time in the gym and then maxing out all of the equipment because I was also on uh, Trimbalone at that time. <laughs> yeah, so no free rides. Nano nipples. Man, uh, yeah, that sounds horrible. <laughs> At least well, the radio dials are even worse. But nano nipples, man, it's squinting. So where are they? It's just all I see is boobs. All right. Anyway, uh, does fasted cardio have health benefits over unfasted cardio? Fasted cardio is difficult with my schedule, but I want to have healthier blood pressure and lipids. Um, I'm going to cross my arms and say I'm not going to comment because everybody's going to go ballistic when I talk about fasted cardio versus unfasted cardio. And then they start tagging uh, bio lane and then bio lane, uh, you see this meathead? You see what he talks about fasted cardio versus non-fasted cardio when it comes to fat loss? And they don't even take the time to read the scientific evidence where a fasted cardio... Actually, I found that study, uh, the peer review, or what is it, uh, the study where they go through all of the scientific literature of uh, fasted cardio versus non-fasted cardio. Uh, none of those are performed on people who take steroids. So shut the fuck up. 
not you, not you, nanoparticles, all those people that just came out of nowhere in that uh, short that I made on my Instagram. Man, the more popular you become, the more retards start to show up on your social media. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, they didn't follow me, so that's all good, right? We don't want those dirty naturals on my YouTube channel. Yeah, they only go with scientific evidence. And then otherwise they don't do anything. <laughs> Not afraid to take risks. Yeah. Oh, there's no scientific evidence. Okay, I'll see you in 10 years. Uh, anyway, does fasted cardio have health benefits over unfasted cardio? Um, I mean, it brings your heart rate up, but unfasted cardio does it also. It improves your cardiovascular health and your heart health, but unfasted cardio also does that. Um, of course, fasted cardio, you probably took that right after a hefty dose of caffeine, so it's easier to get your heart rate up. Um, and thus potentially initiate a little bit more fat loss compared to unfasted car. Oh, so, okay, stop, stop unsubscribing, please. Uh, man, you can't even say anything opinion-based anymore. Vanilla bitches. Um, <laughs> binary bitches. So uh, does it have any health benefits over unfasted cardio? No, if you're purely after the health, I would just get your cardio in, uh, whether that's walking in between sets or when you wake up or directly post-workout or right before bed, um, even though it might hinder your sleep quality, um, uh, you know, cardio is healthy, end the story. All right, where are we? All right, you're 88, 88, 88 kilograms, 9% body fat, hey, wait. Yeah, I would say that your creatinine is a little bit on the high side, but again, you're taking trimbolone that is known to increase creatinine levels. So, C-statin C, 24-hour urine collection test, and then a, a kidney ultrasound, if needed, flow, 19 years old, low libido after using Kratom, weeds, lion's mane, eight weeks, no use, and still only party, partially recover. 534 total testosterone, 5.6 LH, 2.3 FSH, 8 prolactin, uh, 42 SHBG, normal estradiol. Okay, so... Um, you know, you took the Kratom out, you took the weed out, you took the lion's mane out. Um, you're 19 years old, so I you're an adult. I would look into cerebral license for a while and see if you can recover this state that you find yourself in. And otherwise, uh, watch that video about what you need to do when you fucked yourself up using performance enhancing drugs, or in this case, recreational drugs. Now, with the lion's mane, of course, there's unique instances, very limited anecdotal evidence that lion's mane uh, can be problematic, but the same can be said for wheat or kratom, especially if you take all of them at the same time. So it's been eight weeks. Your hormone levels look okay, not horrible. Uh, so it might be that you're simply not eating enough, right? Not taking good care of your health. Uh, maybe you're masturbating too frequently and thus your libido is very, very low. Maybe your dopamine levels are kind of crashed because you're watching TikTok all day and it's literally draining the dopamine out of you. So maybe look into uh, uninstalling your TikTok or uh, Instagram for that matter or just taking a social media break altogether. And then look into ways to increase your dopamine in the form of L-tyrosine, you know, or vitamin B6, B5P in combination. Look into that. Um, eat a little bit better. And then, uh, you know, take it from there. But you don't need TRT medically. Um, I would l rather look into cerebral license to help you recover from the weed kratom in lion's mane than anything else. Right? I have a video about that as well. Five milliliters intramuscularly. Yes, it's a pretty brutal large injection, but the post-injection pain is uh, non-existent. 
Um, and again, you're an adult, so you're going to have to make that decision for yourself. But yeah, sometimes a libido is going to be low. <laughs> Shit happens. It might not be no, uh, any correlation between the weed, kratom, or lion's mane. It might be that you're just not eating enough, not getting enough micronutrients, or just jerking off too much and, and, and dumping your dopamine into social media apps. So look into a, a dopamine detox, and maybe that will improve your condition. All right, Timothy. Been having back and general muscle pain tightness for a few years. Think it's myofascial, considering oxandrolone for collagen synthesis healing. It'll make it just more, makes it more tight. Not bodybuilding. This is feasible peptides instead. Do some deep tissue massage therapy and uh, take it from there. Right. T really, take it from there. Do some, uh, you know, uh, what is it called? Uh, you know, where you use the inversion table or do some pull-ups, you know, to kind of remove the stiffness. And uh, you, you, it sounds like office syndrome, honestly. You're sitting there just the whole day blah, 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 typing, coding, bullshitting, uh, you know. Uh, so maybe go outside, go away from the office chair or go away from the position that you find yourself in. I mean, I used to have general muscle pain and tightness in my back uh, because, you know, I used to do consultancy work and I was at the computer like 24-7. Um, so, you know, going to the gym fixed that quite a bit. And just taking breaks and walking around the office fixed it quite a bit. An ergonomic desk chair probably does you better than uh, taking oxandrolone. Of course, oxandrolone is easy, right? You can just pop it and then fingers crossed everything is going to make it better, but I doubt it, right? I think deep tissue massage therapy, maybe some grassland technique, some inversion table, some walking around, an ergonomic desk chair is going to be more beneficial for your back tightness compared to um, peptides or oxandrolone. But again, that's just like my opinion, dude. So, you know, you pay $10, you can do what you want. Andy, another new member. Chase Irons. Chase, did you finally quit your chat? You fucking asshole. <laughs> I love you, buddy. You're entitled to the live stream wherever you watch. You saw that I chased Paul Burnett from the Saturday time slot. He's now on Sunday. You know, much love, Paul. <laughs> We're all, we're all like in the same group of fucking live streamers here, right? So I'm doing the figures queue on Saturday, and then Paul goes around, to, but he starts an hour earlier. And then when he's done, I just see my my uh, live count uh, goes up 50. And I always feel guilty because I'm probably digging into his live viewers as well. So we got to we gotta do some sort of uh, coordination or something <laughs> where we don't dive into each other's live streams. Um, you know, because... Yeah, there's only so many members who are willing to join, man. Yeah, they're spaced uh, far in between. But Chase, I'm happy that you're done. Please, please bring and send them over here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next one. Uh, Rana G, taking Romsin 25 milligrams every day. Still estradiol lowers from 62 from 100 in a month. Uh, okay, so he went from 100 to 62, yeah. Uh, should I continue to take aromacin or add something else to crush estradiol for contest prep? Okay, so you were on 720 tests. Let me scroll up a little bit. What were you running? Yeah. You're on 750 milligrams test, 50 milligrams mastron per day, and 50 milligrams trimbolone per day. But your creatinine is very high. So technically, I shouldn't recommend you to go to 700 mastron per week, right? 100 milligrams mastron per day. Um, but that might be more beneficial than just taking more aromacin. And if you're taking 25 milligrams aromacin per day, 
uh, either your aromacin is not really what it's supposed to be or your masterone isn't really what it's supposed to be. So um, maybe switch brands, keep the dose the same, but switch brands, see what happens. And otherwise increase the masterone. Um, because 25 milligrams of aromacin per day, I mean, I was running that on seven, well, 2,500 milligrams testosterone, and my uh, estradiol was like 65. So well, that's without masterone. So, you know, and you're 9% body fat. I was 10% body fat around, give or take, at that time. So, yeah, uh, you, you might have uh, your masterone or your aromacin not entirely where it should be. All right, where are we? Oh my God, everything keeps resetting. Andy, what's up, bro? Welcome to the Vigorous Crew. And Murat, thank you for joining as well. Carl, <laughs> Chase forced me here. Chase is good people, man. Yeah, Chase is. Uh, <laughs> no, Chase is not a bully. Chase is on the is on the good good guy side. Again, the the community owes him a beer twice. First for uh, exposing. Uh, Victor Crackhead, and uh, and then for going on 18 IUs of growth hormone. Although I have him beat by being on Incrolex. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? You know how, that we can only get views by taking all these crazy dosages? Right? I'd make an intelligent video about how to, um, you know, save all kinds of problems that you have, uh, you know, with life-changing information, very lengthy videos, 30 minutes long with timestamps. Fuck all views. Two and a half grams of test, views. A gram of train, views. Found Incrolex, views. So you guys are telling me that I need to take more drugs. And But you also want my wife to get pregnant. You're, you're giving me mixed signals. And you're giving the same signals to Chase. He's on, well, the Chase Iron Cycles, the legendary Chase Iron Cycle. Uh, but when he was talking about the vertical diet or doing live streams, no views. Right? You guys are, uh, yeah. Some of you guys might be a little bit uh, enticing us to, you know, give us an early grave. Just saying, right? We did it for the views. Now he's dead. Anyway, I'm going to make sure that, uh, yeah, I stay alive because I have responsibilities. Sky's the limit. Does he only answer super chats? Yeah, they keep coming. Um, so I preferentially answer those super chats. And yeah, actually can see it right here in the bottom. Please refrain from spamming questions and... Flooding the chat. Okay, let's wait for the rest. I will put you in timeout. Ensure your questions are readable. Nobody follows that advice. And grammatically correct. <laughs> I wish we had the Grammarly installed on everybody's computer. Super chats get answered first. All right, so I answered your question, but there's already more super chats on the way. So we're going to... Uh, Oh, here, there's another non-super chat from Chase Irons, but Chase Irons is my good friend, and he's famous, so he gets uh, <laughs> he gets answered too. Indeed, the Incrolex is legendary. Man, I uh, I wish I could buy more. And then, uh, here, another one. Checking in from Chase Irons' side. Hey, Steve, you got any Halo testing stories? Uh, yes, I have many. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's about Halo testing, so I might do a video about it. Uh, at least I will get views. Okay, Kratos. Did I miss any super chats? No, Eden, I had $1. Uh, here's a question, sorry. 
any upcoming hard stim vids thoughts on dmaa um so in the upcoming endurance deep dive video series uh, at the end i mentioned all the stimulants which could uh, stimulate the central nervous system cardiac function you guys let me know in the in the comment section when that video drops sometimes next week um, which stimulants you want me to cover in the context of optimizing your endurance. And otherwise, I will cover some stimulants with nootropic properties in the upcoming uh, Entrepreneur Deep Dive video series, which I started at, but uh, since I have so much stuff to do, I didn't really get to um, structuring the first part of that video series. So that might come after... Yeah, I just count on it after Japan. So hopefully we can get that done uh, before we go to the Mr. Olympia because there's not going to be so many parts in that video series. Just the deep dives are a lot of time to prepare for. So I can only do, you know, one a week. One a week. Because I also need a lot of editing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? They take time to prepare. All right, Kratos. What is the best way to reconstitute LR3? I was told bacteriostatic water degrades it and to instead use acetic acid. I have read conflicting things. So... Uh, I mentioned earlier that acetic acid, I can't find a pharmaceutical, uh, you know, provider for it. Um, I don't think Amino Asylum sells it, but they have IGF-1 LR3, which I've used in the past and gave me great gains. Um, so, yeah, I mean, both are underground lab, but would you reconstitute something with acetic acid, which might have been made by somebody non-reputable? Uh, or use bacteriostatic water. Well, I mean, Hospira from Pfizer is also not really available, right? So, again, it's all underground lab. I have sterile water available here. That's what I use as a dilutant. And, um, you know, even if you get a one milligram LR3 vial, within five days you use it because 100 micrograms bilaterally is 200 micrograms per day. So, and if you have five workouts a week, you go through a vial every single week. But it seems that the sweet spot of Incrolex is about 500 micrograms uh, per day, or at least for me. Uh, that's the, the dose where my weight goes up and my body fat levels go down and um, didn't even increase my food intake. I mean, <laughs> gaining four kilos in 2,500 calories. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Anyway, so if you're going to reconstitute your LR3, uh, back to your static water and then just use it, I don't know, within a week. I think it's fine, man. I mean, yes, there was a huge hype about acetic acid because it, you know, prevents, uh, what is it, amino acid aggregation. So you're less likely for it to denature. But LR3 is all underground lab. It's shipped from China to the United States and then, you know, wherever you live. So if I get my LR3 from Amino Asylum and they get it from China, probably, and then it goes to the US and then they ship it to Thailand, it takes a fucking month. So by the time it arrives in my hands, I mean, it's already gone through several cycles of uh, colds and then hot and then cold and then hot and then cold again. So whether I use acetic acid or bacteriostatic water, if I use it in a couple of days, I don't think it's going to matter. Honestly, I, I don't think it's going to matter. So, um, yeah, but if you're, you know, you're, yeah. I don't know, man. I, th I think it's, uh, I think it's overrated. And again, so many people posted in the Incrolex video, oh, Steve, you should use acetic acid. Link me with pharmaceutical acetic acid solution. And otherwise, shut the fuck up. Steve, <laughs> currently cutting testosterone, uh, testosterone 400 milligrams per week, term below 100 milligrams a week. Notice much higher resting heart rate than normal, sometimes over 85, normal blood pressure. Would you cut everything immediately or explore other options first? Uh, might be that you're getting into an overtrained state. The, you, you know, elevated resting heart rate is uh, an early indication of becoming overtrained. Um, 
maybe your synthetic carrier oil is, uh, you know, poisonous and causing you systemic inflammation, and thus your resting heart rate is going up. Maybe you're burning through all of the electrolytes and the taurine uh, that you need to keep your resting heart rate and uh, blood pressure down but you have normal blood pressure. So maybe you need to supplement with taurine and ubiquinol to support your heart function. Um, you know, maybe switch to pharmaceutical grade uh, trim. Oh, wait. Yeah, there's no pharmaceutical grade trim balloon available. Ah, sucks to be you. Use Primo instead, pussy. Yeah, use Primo. 300 milligrams of Primo. 400 milligrams of Primo. Cut the trend. Yes, cut it. Cut it. Just toss it in the trash. 400 tests, 400 Primo, both pharmaceutical and then report back to us. Yeah, I, I'm sure your resting heart rate is going to be 10 times better because Trembolone is poison. I recorded a video today. It's dropping next week. You guys are going to love it about Trembolone because we were due for another Trembolone video. Thomas, is there a difference between the onset peak uh, time of Nova Rabbit and Umalog? Um not that I can remember off the top of my head, but you can find it very simply. You type in uh, Nova Rabbit peak onset and duration, uh, or onset peak and duration, and you do the same thing for Umalog, and you compare. Um, I, I don't remember this from the top of my head. You're you're stumping me a little bit. Hopefully, um, what I, what else I remember is good enough for you to continue to watching the incorrectable vigorous Q and A. Uh, D3, mild uh, gastric intestinal distress on 5 milligrams daily to Dadafil. Any suggestions besides stopping it? Give it more time. Are you still on it? No, I stopped it ages ago. Um, I should be adding it in, right? Because it's good for uh, lovemaking. Um, but yeah, I'm rock hard without it. So and my wife is hot. It helps. <laughs> helps a lot. Yeah, yeah, especially now. Uh, so mild uh, gastrointestinal upset and, and acid reflux is probably what you're talking about. It's very common with Cialis. Upping the dose helps. No, that's not true. Uh, 5 milligrams per day or 10 milligrams per day or 20 milligrams per day. Uh, acid reflux, uh, gastrointestinal reflux disease, uh, gastrointestinal upset, uh, uh, gastrointestinal distress. That can all occur. Antidalafil and the solution is apple cider vinegar with each meal to increase the acidity of your stomach. That way, you don't get this reflux and you help with the digestion of the food that you're eating. So this is why I recommend it, uh, apple cider vinegar and perhaps B10 hydrochloride with meals containing a lot of protein, uh, also with pepsin. Your know, doctor's best has a, a B10 hydrochloride and pepsin formula. And then um, Now Foods has a double strength apple cider vinegar tablet formula. Take those with meals and uh, all your issues will be resolved. And otherwise, um, Thomas Artan, that doesn't have this uh, gastrointestinal uh, upset that Cialis has, might improve your erections also, might improve your pumps in the gym, albeit not as pronounced as Cialis, uh, but at least uh, when it comes to blood pressure, it's certainly superior. So, all right, where are we? Where are we? Fred by the sea. Five bucks. Oh, here's the question. <laughs> I was looking for it. It was right underneath. I uh, just started a 60-day carnitine, st uh, car carnitine stack. Any modifications you recommend? 600 milligrams L-carnitine. Chase is injectable. 2,000 mi milligrams L-carnitine oral. 5 grams garlic oil. Uh, what, to prevent the TMAO? Dude, just use 1,000 milligrams of injectable L-carnitine. Forget about the rest. Why would you take injectable L-carnitine and oral L-carnitine when 
L-carnitine is already at a high enough dose that the uh, or the injectable L-carnitine is already at a high enough dose that the oral L-carnitine is not going to contribute to anything. And if you're worried about TMA and TMO formation, uh, just take the oral carnitine out uh, or run doxycycline for two weeks to kill off the bacteria, which can potentially cause TMA formation, resulting in TMO production in the liver or conversion, however you want to call it. Um, thousand milligrams L-carnitine per day. That's what I take. That's what Chase Irons takes. Um, up the dose so you can support Chase Irons a little bit more. And then uh, take it from there, buddy. Murad Yilnes, you're, dude, you're a member. You don't need to pay again. <laughs> you're already a member. Don't leave the super chat. <laughs> Save your questions for the private figures queue now, which is about an hour. So next Friday on September the 1st, uh, you don't have to super chat shit because you already paid, right? So just join the pri private figures Q&A and post your questions in the, um, uh, the private uh, post in the community page when you go to uh, the YouTube channel to the community tab and then you'll see the, you know, the, the Vigorous Q&A uh, link pop up where you can post your questions preemptively so I can answer them. Uh, you don't even have to join. So convenient. What would you recommend to somebody experiencing gyno symptoms due to progesterone even with 200 milligrams NPP? Will adding masterone work? Uh, yeah, go do your blood work, see where your estrogen levels are at, because uh, NPP can exacerbate the conversion of testosterone into estradiol, so estradiol might be high. You're on a progestogenic 19 or testosterone derivative, so um, the progesterone activity, progestogenic activity might be elevated in combination with estradiol, and thus um, progesterone receptors and estrogen receptors are stimulated on the uh, breast tissue, but also in the hypothalamus and the pituitary, and thus prolactin levels might go up, which might make it even worse. So how about we replace the NPP for masterone and then uh, do some blood work and take it from there. Maybe you need Novodex, maybe you need Roloxifene to really hammer the estrogen receptors and block them. Um, but of course, there's no selective progesterone receptor modulator, unless you go with Mifepristone, which is a... Uh, Anti, well, not anti-contraceptive. It's a, you know, it's a medication to uh, induce abortions. Um, so yeah, pretty hefty medication. Um, yeah. So replace the NPP for masterone. Look at the Novodex or uh, Roloxifene to block the estrogen receptors, and do some blood work in the meantime to see how you need to proceed. I saw a question here about it. Viren. What's Steve's height, weight, and nationality? Is this the new, um, you know, Yahoo chat where you ask somebody for their age, sex, and, uh, and uh, location? My height is uh, 5'9", 175 centimeters. My weight as of this morning is 101 kilograms. So that's uh, 200, 225 pounds. And nationality is Dutch, although I do not identify as a Dutch national anymore. I still have a passport that says that I'm Dutch. So... Yeah, I hope that answers your question, bro. Rana G, coach, do you recommend Lantus on cutting? Yes, <laughs> yes, I love Lantus on cutting, but you have to be super careful because you might go hypoglycemic. So uh, use it with caution and ideally use it under the guidance of a coach. Kratos, sometimes I train at 2 p.m., other times 8 p.m. Ideally, would IGF-1 LR3 be kept same time of the day or pre-workout? Also, when is the best time to take Genuvia? So I would take uh, the IGF-1 just pre-workout, not because it you know is magical 
pre-workout again ngf1 lr3 has a pretty long half-life of 36 hours so it will overlap but if you do it um localized so let's say you train chest at 8 p.m and you inject 100 micrograms left and right 200 micrograms in total then you would get some localized effect right from the igf1 lr3 although uh, it will eventually go systemic and then potentiate its effects systemically as well still directly after the workout when you have your anabolic window and all of the food that you're eating um, the IGF-1 will help with nutrient partitioning, nutrient absorption, cell proliferation, blah, 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 insulin sensitivity. Um, and I would take the Genuvia around the same time. So I take the Genuvia, or I'm going to take the Genuvia, the same time I take my Increlex shot, albeit that Increlex has a half-life of, what was it, six to seven hours uh, through subcutaneous administration, and who knows, through intermuscular administration. Um, and and Cetagliptin, the Genuvia has the same uh, half-life or very comparable. So take it at the same time. And then, uh, you know, whether you train 2 p.m. or 8 p.m., you take your IGF-1 LR3 1 p.m. If you train 2 p.m., same time you take your Cetagliptin Genuvia, and otherwise you take it 7 p.m. If you take if you train at 8 p.m., All right? So take a pre-workout, and if you do uh, 8 p.m. one day and 2 p.m. the next day, maybe the next day you have even more elevated IGF-1 levels, so you get even better super mega pump than before. For insulin resistance, D-peptidyl peptidase 4 inhibitors of metformin. Um, no, no, because DPP4s just prevent the breakdown of insulin. But if you have insulin resistance, it doesn't matter how yeah, it doesn't matter how much insulin is present in the body. The insulin is not activating the receptors properly and uh, allowing for glucose uptake through translocation of the GLUT4. Uh, yeah, of the GLUT4, right? It's the glucose transporters types four. Uh, but metformin actually improves insulin sensitivity by reducing the rate of uh, glucose that is entering from the liver into the into the bloodstream. So thus, and of course, disposing some of the food and the glucose through the intestinal tract in the form of uh, taking a nice fat dump the next day. So for insulin resistance, I would say metformin over uh, D-peptidyl peptidase 4 inhibitors. Bruno, Brian Johnson podcast, uh, any updates? I haven't asked yet, but I should. <clears throat> yeah, I'm passing through LA, so I uh, should put in emails. You know, I'm, I'm asking for collaborations, right? So I send like um, the most likely collaborations out first, and then you give them a week or two to reply. Um, some people don't reply, so you go to the next line of uh, potential collaboration. So Brian Johnson, I might ask a couple other people, and then if they say yes or no, you know, we'll ask another round of people. So... You know, I, I'm, I don't think it's going to happen with Brian Johnson because, you know, of the nature of my content. <laughs> but never say never, right? I haven't asked yet. But, uh, yeah, I'll ask at one point and then uh, see what's going to happen. We are, uh, how many months? August 1, 2, yeah, let's say two and a half months out before I even get to meet the guy. So plenty of time. Um Vicarian SK, not having to super chat. So if, if you're a member, I see that you're a member. Whether you're, uh, if you're, uh, you know, I, I see it only if you're a YouTube member. So if you're a regular member of $1 or, um, you know, $5, uh, so that's just a, a supporter, or uh, uh, the $5 level, which helps you uh, vote on deep dives, but I'm still working on the deep dives, which people voted on last. So it takes a couple of weeks for me to go through the deep dives. 
And then the private figures Q&A is at $10. Um, so I, I was assuming that some of the other members joined the Vigors Inquisitor level because that's where I have the most members. Um, so yeah, if I see that you remember, I'll just answer your question if I see it quickly. But only Vigors Inquisitors can join the private figures Q&A, which is uh, usually on Saturday, but it will be the next one. So that's 10 bucks a month. John Doe, Juan Doe, that was funny. Uh, why so hurt by the Netherlands? Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's, you know, when I look back at my life in the Netherlands, it was just not as good as it is now. I mean, there's a reason why I wanted to leave. I couldn't feel like I could be myself. You know, bodybuilding was not really um, respected. You know, I was a cartoon character. People were making fun of me. Um, you know, for just following bodybuilding. So if you are not happy with your surroundings, change your surroundings. And I think I'm a much better person living in Thailand than I am in the Netherlands. And I'll further emphasize that with all the people that I remember interacting with in the Netherlands. They're all miserable. Yeah, all miserable. When I look at their lives, when I talk, you know, you ask, how's it going? You say, yeah, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then immediately start talking about work. And I feel guilty talking about uh, the level of success and enjoyment that I'm having in my life, talking to people that I used to know from the Netherlands. So I don't even try. I don't even try, right? So honestly, you know, all, all roads lead to me being here right now. Uh, and I had to go through that road uh, living in the Netherlands for about 26 years. But I will not go back, <laughs> not go back. I feel terrible for Wesley Vizzers. He could do 10 times better just moving locations, but he's kind of embedded there because he's got his entire family rooted into his business and he's married and he has kids. So it's very difficult to leave, um, just like it's difficult for me to leave out of Thailand now that I have six cats and uh, you know some kids on the way at one point or another. Um, but yeah, I'm happy I got out before I, uh, before I settled down. Yeah, and all the people that I know that are successful, Dutch people, also got out. <laughs> Early. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, when I go back, I'll uh, just visit my family and have fun there. But it's one week, two weeks. That's it, man. That's it. That's it. All the people that lived abroad in Thailand or Dubai or Hong Kong or wherever, you go back for a couple of weeks and then all these little irritable things uh, start to manifest again. And then you realize why you got the fuck out in the first place. So, but you will only understand if you lived abroad for a couple of years and uh, see life in a different perspective. All right. Thomas, totally worth it. I guess talking about memberships. Yeah, Thomas is a member. Um, so take it from the other members. Totally worth it. Guess who just became a member? I don't see your membership badge yet. Brian Lord, do you like Formula One? Um, there used to be a video game. <laughs> We're going way back now. You guys remind me what the name was, where you could build your own tracks. This is like very old. This is like Macintosh. Uh, yeah, not Apple, <laughs> Macintosh. You build your own tracks and we would make the craziest tracks, uh, but that's the extent of Formula One that I used to enjoy, right? You use the Formula One cars to go over these tracks and uh, doing all the cool stuff. So, uh, ah, there we go. Vicarian, welcome to the team. Start asking your questions. 
<laughs> you got 30 minutes left. Um, yeah, so I, I, no, I don't really watch sports. I don't watch football, whether that's American football or European football. Uh, I don't watch hand egg. That's American football. You put the thing here and you start running. It's called the hand egg in uh, Europe. Um, I don't really watch sports. I, I barely watch bodybuilding nowadays. I think it's boring. I'm just too busy doing my own things, you know, researching, living my life, uh, what little time I have I'd like to spend with my wife and not watching sports because she doesn't really like to do sports or watch sports. She likes to do sports. Um, and if we do sports together, then, uh, you know, it's for the sake of creating new life. So, yeah. All right, Thomas, do you think you will announce it when you're in the Netherlands so your Dutch followers can meet you? Uh, I'll post it on social media, yeah. Um, last time I went to the Netherlands, I met somebody who came all the way from Germany. It was an Indian national. He was in Germany to study. And then I was in Arnhem, which is close to the border, and he, was, he wanted to do a consultation. So he came to meet me, and we sat at some coffee shop for about an hour uh, talking about, uh, you know, whatever we talked about, because it's between me and him, obviously. But, yeah, um, I think I met a couple Dutch fans the last time I was in Holland. That's like pre-pandemic, so that's 2000. 19 has it been that long i'll just announce it just like i'm telling to people that i'm going to japan and when i'm going to the us you know if people want to meet up somewhere and and say hi then that's always fine you know am i going to go out of my way to go to dinner with people no absolutely not that's what people always ask me when they come to thailand see if i'm going to thailand i want to treat you to dinner and cigar um and i politely decline <laughs> i got better things to do honestly <laughs> But if you want to meet me at some sort of event, a bodybuilding event or at the gym or whatever, where I'm going to be anyway, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm all for it. All right, start spamming the chat, Vicarian. Richard Bell, what's up, buddy? Hey, welcome. Trackmania, is that the one? I think, no, it's even before that. Trackmania is recent. I'm talking about way before, where everything was, uh, like you know, triangles and... and or maybe it's the earliest version of Trackmania. Uh, Trackmania is fun, though. All right. A Fitness, also a member. All right, here we go. What are your thoughts on starting a Discord like Chase Irons? I don't have time. <laughs> I became an unlimited email member last week, and I've already learned so much. You can only imagine how great uh, you guys would be if you had one. I, I don't have time, and I have no interest in... in I, I tried to actively stop coaching and interacting with people because it's simply too much. That's why I'm trying to channel all of you guys into the vigorous Q&A one time per week so it's manageable. <laughs> I don't want to do daily chatting anymore. Really, really. It, I don't want to do it. it. It takes too much of my time. I want to limit all of the time that I have, unless it's for consultations, which I'm still doing way too much. Um, I want to limit all of my time so I have the energy for my wife and future children. I don't want to end up chatting with people 24 seven, right? I don't want anybody to start a discord because without me there, it's going to turn shit. I'm sure of it. Uh, just like uh, Derek from More Plates More Dates, discord turned to absolute trash. He doesn't have time to manage that either. So, you know, Chase Irons is actively managing it because you're paying for this unlimited email service, right? I don't have time, <laughs> seriously. I don't have time and I don't want to. I, I'm, I'm trying to actively get away from personalized advice um, as much as possible so I can actually do more research and spend time with my family. So, no, uh, a Discord is not going to happen. If we do anything that's a paid service, it's going to be a membership site here on YouTube uh, where you can watch the videos. 
and and maybe I'll answer questions in the in the comment section. But again, if it gets too overwhelming, I'm I'm simply just going to say sorry. But no, I have a vigorous Q and A. I do it every week. Um, I'm one of the few people on social media that does it besides Chase Irons, who was uh, too busy being a bodybuilder right now. Um, and of course, Parable in it, but he's not as consistent as I am. But I'm actively trying to limit it. I've been you know, doing personal services for over 10 years. And uh, it's time for uh, me to spend time with my family. <laughs> Guys, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. So, no, it's not going to happen. T-Flow, thoughts on using injectable NAC, 100 milligrams per milliliter, and injectable glutathione, 200 milligrams per milliliter. Um, is there injectable NAC? I don't, I'm not aware. Also, how much SAMI should be taken to maximize storage? Um, I mean, if you're going to inject NAC, I'm not really sure what the difference is between bioavailability between NAC, oral, and injectable. But if you're also doing injectable glutathione, why would you take NAC when NAC is basically the only reason to increase your glutathione levels? So why don't you take oral NAC with SAMI, <clears throat> 2,000 milligrams NAC and 400 milligrams SAMI, and then uh, maybe injectable glutathione at 200 milligrams to 600 milligrams per day. I think that will raise your glutathione stores systemically, especially in the liver, because that's what SAMI does quite tremendously. Thomas, you should try basic fit. I'm curious about your opinion. I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. It's a fucking horrible gym. <laughs> Dude, if I go to gyms, it's hardcore gyms. Spartacus, unfortunately, it's closed. Muscle and Fitness in Almeida. That's a, that's a good gym. That other gym in, in Rotterdam. That's a fucking hardcore gym. Um, basic fit. No, man. You're going to have to drag me into that gym. <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> I need some fucking people that sweat steroids around me. Sweat Trimbalone. Otherwise, I'm not going to partake. <laughs> I'm sure there's people taking Trimbalone and Basic Fit, but they don't look the part. So... Every time I went to Basic Fit in Holland, I, uh, I I felt like, you know, doing a 30-minute workout and getting the fuck out of there. Alton Bjork, what should you consider when picking testosterone esters? Um, if it's pharmaceutical, great or not. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, it's, it's it doesn't really matter. You know, try try propionate for a while, try cypionate for a while, try initate for a while. See, see which one you like most. Injection convenience-wise, post-injection pain-wise price-wise, and then use the one you uh, feel is the most suitable for your needs. But honestly, it doesn't fucking matter if you do daily micro-administrations. Oh. Where are we? <clears throat> Man, I'm starting to lose my voice. Guess how many consultations I did today. And I recorded a video. Uh, yeah, Mr. Feather understands. <clears throat> don't start a Discord, start an OnlyFans. Much more profitable. Yeah, I agree. You don't even have to chat with people. You can just post my naked ass with syringes in it. Uh, of course, once you go OnlyFans, then uh, all your reputation is gone. <laughs> so, no can do. Even though Vigorous Fans is uh, one of the memes that I like to highlight here and there. Right, so if I could like set up an OnlyFans, but it links to uh, the Rickroll, that would be absolutely stellar. <laughs> OnlyFans.com/slash/vigorousfans, and then you go straight to the Rickroll. I post it every day. Bubba Smurf, what's up, buddy? SHBG 5.5. We have a new 
we have a new champion. All other uh, parameters, okay. Felt shit, yes. Tergesterone makes me feel good. TRT for five years. 100 milligrams uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Your uh, TRT is a little bit exorbitant, but I'll take it. Coming off, uh, only way to fix SHBG. No, so uh, long story short, thyroid hormones increase SHBG, albeit not that much. Um, you would need 25 micrograms T3 and maybe 50 micrograms T4 to raise your uh, SHBG level systemic, uh, uh, you know, quite a bit. To get serone, might get you, you know, 10 nanomoles per liter, which is still not sufficient. Um, HCG can increase uh, SHBG levels a little bit. Selective estrogen receptor modulators are probably the most potent when it comes to increasing your SHBG levels. And in this case, I would go with Clomid or Enclomiphene over Tamoxifen, because Tamoxifen also has norendoxifen, which is a metabolite that acts as an aromatized inhibitor. And estradiol is also one of the primary regulators of sexual hormone globulin levels. So you don't want Tamoxifen. Ideally, you want Clomid or Enclomiphene. Um, is that sustainable with the clotting risk? Probably not. So coming off testosterone might not be the best idea, but maybe you go to 125 milligrams per week um, for your SHBG to come up. Maybe, you know, go with enclomiphene monotherapy in the meantime for uh, four weeks. You know, I think that's reasonably safe. It's normal duration of a pulse cycle therapy. And then, uh, and then see what happens. But you know, it, it might be that you're taking growth hormone and not telling us about, or your insulin levels are chronically elevated that you're not telling us about. It can also suppress your SHBG levels. Or maybe you're on a little bit more than TRT and not telling us about it. Maybe you're on, the, the, on that there provirin, and thus your, um, you know, your SHBG is also low. So, uh, you know, maybe you need to eat more. Could also be the case. Uh, uh, yeah. So many ways where your SHBG can be that low, but I don't think it's only coming from the testosterone unless your estradiol is basically zero. All right, Vicarian SK, fair enough and very respectable. Yeah, it's um, unfortunately my uh, time is uh, kind of spread thin. Anthony Bryan, any questions with that? Nope. All right, we're going to go over to the new suit. 20 fucking pounds. Holy shit. Well, I guess I'm going to get myself and my wife a pastrami sandwich tomorrow. EB, thank you for sponsoring my Sunday cheat day. I'm off cycle for one month. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Yes, you can indeed get two pastrami sandwiches for twenty dollars, twenty pounds here in Thailand. Yeah, that's another reason why I live here. Right? In Holland, you would not be able to get a good pastrami sandwich for twenty pounds, but in Thailand, you sure can. I'm off cycle for one month. It was 600 milligrams testosterone per week and 350 milligrams of Primo. One month off, then blood work. What's the best way I can prep for engaging Aaron as a coach? Um, you're going to come up to his ego. <laughs> you slide into his DMs and then you say, uh, Aaron, you're so big, you're so muscular. No, <laughs> you don't have to do that. Just shoot him a message. You know, if you have blood work and you're already off for a month, you're 44 years old, 203 pounds, 40% body fat, uh legit diet legit dieting at the moment chase cycle wait one month off blood work what's the best way okay so you're on the chase iron cycle right now okay uh do your blood work uh hire aaron and then he's probably going to take you off all of the peds because the chase iron cycle is for somebody who's younger um, and 280 pounds <laughs> chase iron started at 240 pounds and now it's 280 uh, you're 200 pounds, so you might do uh, uh, you know a 25% chase iron cycle, 
with uh, you know a ground steroids at most, which you have experience with, and maybe uh, what is it nine four and a half five IUs of growth hormone, and a little bit of insulin. But yeah, just slide it into Aaron's uh, DMs, send him an email, or uh, you know, and then sign up for his Kahuna's application that he likes to use to manage his clients, and then uh, and then take it from there. You know, you're in good hands. He'll probably take you off the Chase Iron Cycle, though. I can already tell you. Uh, let's see, where are we? Thomas, have you heard of Release Antwerp the gym? No, I've not heard that. I haven't been to Belgium in a very long time. Uh, if if that's what we're talking about. Sancho, during a uh, cycle, creatinine kinase is at 531. <laughs> Train fucking harder. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Is it bad? No, it's not bad. Creatine phosphokinase is going to be elevated when you train. End of story. Right? Anything below a thousand just means that you're not training hard enough. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to say it. Rana G uh, just found out that he doesn't have to super chat all the time. He can just become a member. Nice work. <laughs> Too bad the Vickers Q&A is almost coming to a close. <laughs> Have you had or do you know uh, of any use of myostatin inhibitors? Um, no. I, I think it's horseshit. Otherwise, everybody would be talking about it. Otherwise, all the steroid YouTube channels would be filled with myostatin inhibitor talk. And even then, if it works, um, you know, in, in, IGF-1 is already risky, uh, you know, regarding, uh, you know, systemic growth of the organs. Um, that's why we keep the dose low and we do everything else right. Right, so we can get to the lowest effective dose with the maximum amount of results on skeletal muscle and not anywhere else. Uh, but myosatin inhibitors will grow everything. Your hands, your feet, your heart, your brain. And, you know, your, your skeletal cavity over the chest can only hold so much. So if your heart is going to grow, uh, what is going to happen to your lungs? They're going to shrink or be compressed. Maybe this is why Dallas MacArthur could barely breathe towards the end, right? His heart was, what, 800 grams when normal heart is 350. Mine might be 400 uh, because I do have a little bit of heart enlargement and I do train hard. But, you know, maybe it was myostatin deficient or was actually taking a myostatin inhibitor. Pure speculation, of course. Um, but if your heart is that big, it's literally compressing your lungs in your, uh, you know, chest cavity. And this is probably one of the reasons why he couldn't breathe or, or his heart function was so poor that his lungs were slowly filling up with fluid, which is a sign of, um, what is it called? Uh, heart failure. So, again, I don't know the full story. It's been uh, a very long time since I looked at, into it. But I don't know if myostatin uh, inhibitors are a thing and if you would even want to use that, just like uh, FTTP, this adipotide, which is basically something that causes apoptosis. It goes systemic and now your kidneys fail and other organs fail. Anthony, I had an underground lab representative tell me that the daily dosage of growth hormone is 30 to 50 IUs <laughs> per day. <laughs> Reading your ebook, this is a waste. This is a vastly higher number. Does this guy have no idea? And is there some truth to it? Never take steroid advice from your drug dealer. <laughs> Never. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, this way you shouldn't talk. You know, yeah. No. Start with three IUs, maybe five IUs. Take it from there. Yeah, some of these guys fucking were retarded. Yeah, fucking retarded. Uh, let's see. Rainy. Coach, is 
sweet smelling urine a problem fasting blood glucose today is 74 hemoglobin amyl seems fine um no it could be related to your diet so if you're dieting you take something very sweet especially uh, honey for example that can end up straight into your urine but yeah a sweet smelling urine um might indicate that there's some glucose present so it's the same with if you're in a ketogenic state and, and you produce a lot of uh, ketones acetones right or your your urine will smell like acetone when you have some carbohydrates because now your body is just dumping out all of those ketones and your urine literally smells like uh, paint thinner or, or a nail polish remover so um maybe do your analysis and see if, how much glucose is present and then uh, and then see what's going on but it also could be especially if it happens in the morning and if you're in competition prep maybe your cortisol levels are so high that you're creating a lot of uh, glucogenolysis from the liver and does your blood glucose levels at that point in time go a little bit too high um and thus uh, you know some of this uh, glucose is ending up in your urine um yeah look into the multiple options and then see where you want to take it fuck everybody's turning into a member now huh all right everybody's a one dollar member trying to get their questions answered yeah let's see how long that's gonna last <laughs> would using growth hormone post-workout yield more net muscle gain than using it pre-bed would it change if using lr3 pre-workout um hmm That's a tough one. I mean, if you're taking everything, growth hormone, post-workouts, I mean, when you take IGF-1 and LR3, you're blunting the natural IGF-1 secretion, right? So when you take growth hormone. Now, ideally, you want your growth hormone levels to be high and uh, IGF-1 levels uh, to be high around the workout because that's when, you know, recovery, hyperplasia, nutrient partitioning starts. <sighs> Honestly, I don't think it's going to make a difference albeit that you're probably sleeping better, uh, but the growth hormone sedation post-workout might also make you recover better. So let's try uh, one month post-workout and then one month pre-bed, you know, the full entire daily dose and take your LR3 pre-workout and see which one you like most. Eden, welcome to the Vigorous Queue. Thanks for joining. Uh, we've got 15 more minutes left, guys, so answer, uh, get your questions in. Because my uh, gorilla mode, uh, mode respawn is starting to wear off. And uh, I got to go to bed at one point. It's 2.15 in the morning, for fuck's sake. So much swearing today. Must be the Incrolex. Uh, let's see. Man, so many newbie questions. <laughs> Here. Gmail, 1000. Is there any issues of doing 200 milligrams testosterone annotate long term or a TRT long term? Um, no, I don't think so. Albeit that when you're 60, 70, 80 years old, it might be too high of a dose for you. Maybe you need to go down to 150 milligrams or 125 milligrams or 100 milligrams per week. Because, um, you know, the, the lowest effective dose when you're uh, 30 might be the highest tolerable dose when you're 80. But I don't see a problem using that long term, albeit that the longer you use TRT without ACG, the less likely your fertility will be sustained or even good when you come off and your fertility protocol might be uh, as extensive as mine. So, yeah, and that will cost you more than your entire cycle. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Uh, what What is this? Where's the rest of the question, uh, Sancho? 
Lab report said the reference range is 49 to 439. So I was worried. What? what I, I don't know what the rest of the question is. I'm scrolling, but I don't see anything that's related. Oh, here. Wait. All oh, right. I was about the creatine kinase. Yeah, your lab reports is for um, regular people who don't train hard. So in, in when it comes to creatine phosphokinase, um, yeah, it's uh, the rite of passage to be over the reference range. When you're over the reference range, we know that you train hard. Uh, sometimes I get blood work with people. I train super hard. Creatine phosphokinase 200. Just send them on their way. Just <laughs> Cut the crap. You're not training hard at all. J. Joff, I love your snappy and straight talking answers. Yeah, I should be on fluvoxamine again. Uh, but that's how people take instruction seriously. Uh, sometimes I come for laughs with tears in my eyes. You are legit. All right. Uh, uh, thanks for your 10 bucks, dude. I'll gladly take it. The 10, 10 euros. It's that more or less than dollars. I think it's pretty much equal, right? Yeah, I, I noticed that um, people listen better if I'm a little bit more straightforward. So in the regular videos, we're still going to keep it uh, nicely because that's, of course, uh, way more lucrative when it comes to the AdSense. Uh, these, uh, these long videos are not that lucrative unless it's for the Super Chats. So a little bit of banter here and there, a little bit of uh, funny humor. Um, I think it's warranted, you know, and even if these videos get demonetized uh, due to all the swearing, the bitches and the, you know, all the swear words, um, it doesn't really matter because you guys super chat and uh, even though YouTube still takes 45%, yeah, this is more than some governments take. <laughs> Fuck me. Um, yeah, it's still worth it in the end, you know, with the memberships and the... Uh, yeah, it's still, it's still a good payday. Okay, here, here come the members with all their questions. Eden, added 20 milligrams of for every day. Got insane recovery. Previous lap, I did 40 milligrams. Didn't feel it as half. Previously, was bunk likely. <laughs> Fuck, man, type it out properly <laughs> so I can read it out phonetically. Please, is such recovery really possible from good VAR? Okay, I'm going to have to read it again. 20 milligrams of gave him great insane recovery. Uh, then I did 40 milligrams and didn't feel it uh, as well. So, yeah, there's a huge discrepancy between underground labs. And there's even a huge discrepancy between different batches. So, if you're running 50, 40 milligrams anivore, it should feel at least as powerful, if not more, as the previous one. And otherwise, it was just bunk or underdosed or, you know, turinabol, for example. Because... Uh, even if you run 20 milligrams anivar every day for a year and then go to 40 milligrams, you should still get a more noticeable and pronounced effect. So yeah, uh, kick your underground lab in the nuts and then start shopping somewhere else. Vicarian, if you have an in-depth video recommend recommendations, let me know so I don't waste your time answering the below question. All right, <laughs> next one. Since growth hormone is primarily used to increase IGF-1, is it preferred over using something like IGF-1 and R3? No, I mean, they potentiate different pathways and you can only get so much IGF-1. So when you look at my blood work results or Chase Irons' blood work results, I mean, we're lucky to get 200 nanograms per milliliter, nanograms per milliliter IGF-1 levels. And if you want more IGF-1-like effect, then you go with IGF-1-DES or IGF-1-LR3 injected into the muscle that you're going to train for a localized effect. Of course, you know, you can get some localized IGF-1 or IGF-2 or, uh, you know, mechanical growth factor, right? That all gets stimulated through vigorous exercise. 
Uh, still, endogenous production is never going to be as high as exogenous administrations. So even if you go on 18 IU as a growth hormone, if you're not producing you know, so much IGF-1 like Chase Irons, for example, then a little bit of IGF-1 LR3 would go a long way. Um, trying to push Chase Irons to go on you know, maybe 200 micrograms IGF-1 LR3 if he's uh, willing to take the plunge. Um, and as you see now from my incorrect experience, 2.4 IU's growth hormone, IGF-1 levels is 190, give or take. Uh, and now adding in a load of Incrolex, again, I don't know what my levels are now, but I'll do blood work at the end of the month, uh, up four kilos. Yeah, up four kilos, but that's Incrolex. It's not IGF-1 LR3. Rainy, uh, or Rana G, sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I keep saying Rainy. My bad. Coach, HDL is 11.2 during current cycle. Yeah, well, you're on a boatload of gear, so what do you expect? Um, including 20 minutes. So first you said you were on a Mastron uh, train and test, and now you're also adding, this is what I don't like about this industry. The, the only mention which drugs you're taking when it's convenient. <laughs> oh yeah, and before I forgot, I was also on Increlex. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I was also on insulin and uh, Genuvia, Citicliptin, and I was also using metformin. Oh, yeah, and thyroid medication. And uh, what else was I using? Yeah, some clenbuterol and some GW1516, right? So, guys, just put everything in the chat so I can make an accurate assessment. All right, so he was on 20 milligrams out of our pre-workout sublingual. LDL is 68, triglycerides 97, total cholesterol 91, taking 5 grams of fish oil, citric bergamot, as well as nice in 500 milligrams. Um, yeah, your HDL is going to be where it is. <laughs> An anavar trend, mastrone, and a boatload of tests. Your HDL is going to be where it is. You know, it is what it is. At least your triglycerides are not horrible, and your total cholesterol or your LDL levels are not horrible as well. So if you want your HDL to come up, come off everything, eat right, uh, add in a little bit of extra healthy fats, you know, some whole eggs, some steak, and, uh, you know, maybe some avocado so your HDL can come up. But as long as you're on a boatload of steroids, your HDL will never be favorable. Unless you do, you know, what I used to do is like a boatload of tests and your HDL somehow is still 50. Yeah, but that's in my unique case, maybe not in your case. It's the trimbalone and the masterone that ruin your HDL, no matter how much preventative measure you take. Is that a, is a low HDL a big of a problem concerned about? Well, of course, you don't want to have it that low the rest of your life. But again, since your total cholesterol and LDL is also low and your triglycerides are not bad, um, I would say that for the sake of doing your contest prep, it's to be expected. And the next eight weeks, it's probably going to go lower, probably into the single digits, which is very common with uh, competitive athletes. Um, you know, start comparing your blood work to other competitors' blood work results, which are probably not even doing it because they're scared to watch their blood work results. So at least you're ahead of all these numfucks. Uh, num um, <clears throat> but yeah, single digit HDL. <clears throat> or at least below 20, that's just to be expected when you're on uh, the Trimbaloni sandwich and doing a contest prep. So, yeah, unfortunately. Run man, four kilos, nice, yeah. I'm a little bit worried for tomorrow, though, because, uh, again, uh, what was it, BP? Who, who donated? 20 pounds. EB. EB donated 20 pounds, 
and uh, so that means I get to eat some pastrami sandwiches uh, with my wife. <laughs> and I wanted to eat like, you know, refeed properly, but I'm so full and I'm so pumped and I'm so heavy that I'm a little bit worried if I start eating tomorrow, I'll probably be 110 kilos after a day. And and now my face is still streamlined, but I do notice that it's starting to get a little bit rounder, a little bit more water retentive. All right. Please tell me I'll still look handsome, but I think it's like a little bit at the end of the day also. So, you know, usually I record like six hours not even eight hours earlier in the day. So you have less water retention. And I went to the gym. I kicked ass, chewed bubble gum. I did the V-squat machine full stack for stiff leg deadlifts. Yeah, I should have taken a video though. But you've seen this video on my YouTube channel or my Instagram already. So yeah, I gained quite a bit. I'm a little bit worried to eat a boatload of food tomorrow because uh, I might wake up at uh, 110 kilos. All right, guys, no more super chats, no more uh, deposits. Um, I'm going to answer a couple more questions from the members, and then we're going to uh, throw in the towel. Wrap it up. My wife's testosterone came back at 3 milligrams per deciliter. She was prescribed compound sublingual testosterone drops. Uh, not check drops, I hope. Uh, dog offered drops or implant pellets. <coughs> Man, I'm starting to lose my voice. Not injections. What are your thoughts on sublingual tests? Um... I'm not really familiar with sublingual tests for women. You know, I do know that some women inject, you know, very low amounts of uh, testosterone annotate subling uh, uh, subcutaneously, maybe a total of three, seven milligrams per week. So that's a net of, let's say, uh, two to five milligrams testosterone per week. So that's less than a milligram per day. Um, so, yeah, you're going to have to go with the doctor because I'm not exactly sure if, if sublingual testosterone and how much of an effect it has on our testosterone levels. But I would say that it might fluctuate quite a bit because sublingual administration is quite rapid and there's a lot of potential for aromatization. So personally, I would prefer if my wife had such low testosterone levels, which is not true, she's like 60 to 75 uh, milligrams per deciliter. So uh, yeah, and she has good hips. So again, you know, everything is uh, connecting quite well. Uh, yeah, if, if her levels were low, I would put her on self-compounded testosterone annotate or maybe even testosterone undecanoate through um, every other day or daily subcutaneous micro-administrations for a little bit of a testosterone depot and thus having a sustained release and thus improving her testosterone levels to, you know, top of the reference range. That's what I would do. All right, Eden. Would adding GW to a testosterone plus antifer cycle be worth it for fat loss and HDL? Uh, I don't think that cardarene does anything for HDL, but it will do anything or will be beneficial for fat loss and improve your endurance and stamina, um, assuming that your diet is on point. Anthony Bryan, hypothetically, I'm required to compete or complete more than one set of blood over... Wait, wait a minute. Hypothetically, if I'm required to complete more than one set of bloods over a few days or a week, etc. Where's... where's uh, Here's it. Fuck, just put it in the same chat, dude. How would I keep my serum LH and FSH levels at the bottom of the reference range? Is it possible to stay in the state to reflect I'm suffering from hypogonadism? Um, yeah, you can take a steroid that doesn't detect the testosterone or estradiol. Uh, Mastron, for example. <laughs> you know, or Inovor. <laughs> yeah, of course, your SHBG will go down. Uh, your HDL and LH will go down. Osterine, nice and easy. YK11. You know, um, fasting for longer periods of time. I have a video coming up about fasting with scientific evidence that fasting 
lowers LH and FSH levels after as little as two and a half days. But if you have to do it over multiple days to show that you're suffering from hypogonadism, um, yeah, maybe an oral uh, SARM, you know, and then get your prescription that way. All right, Ray, Rana G. Coach, is it a good time now to start Winstrel orally? And yes, at eight weeks out, uh, well, your or your blood work is already horrible, so why the fuck not? <laughs> but your 9% body fat, I would wait until your 6% body fat. Uh, that's the time you usually add in the train also. So take this all as a learning experience and hire a coach next time that at least is know, knows what he's doing. Because, um, yeah, it sounds like you're having issues that you shouldn't be having this early in prep. All right. Didn't I just answer this? Please use the timestamps uh, when the video is done. And then, um, yeah. yeah, but no, don't don't mix them. Don't mix growth hormone or other peptides with other drugs, please. All right, last one. Richard Bell. Have a good sleep, Steve. Thank you. Uh, it's my 31st birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Richard. Why are you spending it here with us when you should be spending that with your friends? Oh, here we go. I had some fun with some escorts earlier. I got an ice cream cake to eat later. Fuck, man. That's that's one happy fucking birthday. <laughs> Yes, any well, I'm not going to ask you if cocaine was involved, but that would have made it even better. <laughs> uh, if you're doing cocaine and hooker parties, then might as well go the full route, right? Let's hope I don't undo too much pro, uh, progress. No, pro, uh, escorts is just cardio and ice cream, a uh, cake. Well, unless you eat the whole cake, that's uh, not too bad. But, dude, it's your fucking birthday, man. Enjoy it. Uh, my birthday is coming up in, well, a month and a day. And I'm going to enjoy my birthday also, not with escorts, um, because I'm married, right? No, no, not even, no, don't do it. Um, and ice cream cake, yeah, I might have some. Yeah, maybe some Ben & Jerry's, you know, $10, $12 Ben & Jerry's. That's how much it costs in Thailand. So enjoy it, man. Happy birthday, Richard. Uh, for now, uh, we're going to close off the vigorous Q&A. Um, I wish you could see what level of members you guys are in, but again, even members, when you guys answer, uh, ask questions, uh, Super Chats are going to get preferential treatment because we have the private Vigorous Q&A for uh, Inquisitor-level members. And I can't really see if you're a $1 member or $5 member, but I will still answer your questions um, in between Super Chats because you are supporting the channel after all. So, hide this comment. Um, let's throw in the towel. No, oh, what is this? Let's throw in a towel for today. Thank you guys so much for joining. Quick reminder, next Friday we're going to do the vigorous Q&A because um, uh, on Saturday I fly to Japan uh, around midnight. It's a night flight, so I arrive nice and early in the morning, right on time for my uh, morning coffee before I take the train to Osaka with my wife. Uh, so we're going to do it on Friday. So if you show up on Saturday and you're wondering where I am, it's because I'm flying to Japan. All right, insert the Street Fighter 2 sound. Uh, from Thailand to Japan, right? So we're going next week. See you guys next Friday. And otherwise, uh, I might live stream from Japan, but don't count on it. I don't think the internet is going to be good enough for live stream. So it's either Friday, September 1st, or Saturday, uh, September 16th. Yeah? Cool. Enjoy your weekend. Don't do anything crazy like Richard was doing with the uh, escorts and ice cream cakes, but anything else... Is free, uh, free range, right? Anything goes. <laughs> See you guys. Peace out.
Take it easy.